Hello and welcome to Talking Triple Crown, part of the Kickout 299 Network. I'm Jessie, whose pronouns are she, her. I'm Alicia, my pronouns are she, her. I'm Rachel, my pronouns are they, them. And today we have a very special guest. I'm back, I'm back. Smiley for people who don't know. (laughs) (laughs) We have a big episode coming at you after a massive month with new champions crowned and new challenges emerging. So let's get to it. start off with day one on the 6th of June. To open the series, we had Tajiri and Yoshitatsu defeat Takao Amore and Hiroshi Yamato. I think I just wrote down, like, (laughs) why does Tajiri always have to be booked so strongly? (laughs) But we don't have to keep that in. That's just my pet peeve about Tajiri and how he gets booked in these things. Mine was just decent, but I think the only thing I remember is the the map map work at the start. That was it, really. Yeah. I don't even know who who won that match. Was it Tajiri? It was Tajiri, yeah. Oh, man. Look at as a big eagle. <laughs> exactly. Ryuki Honda and Shotaro Shino defeated Suji Ishikawa and Ryo Inoue in their first outing as a team in just over eight minutes. Honda brought sunglasses for Shino to wear. He teased putting them on, but instead handing them back to Honda. And spoilers, one day he will wear them very, very soon. Uh, this was a nice, quick match to debut their team. Inoue looked good even while getting beaten up, and he's been really developed nicely. I like where he's headed. Yeah, Inoue looked really good. He kept up with them, which is fantastic. Tanda is just, like, such a good troublemaker. I'm really glad that this move to this, like, new team and this new faction that they still haven't named, and we don't really know what's going on with that aspect of it. I'm glad that he's not going to lose his edge. He's still like playing with this sort of heel-ish character, and that's really cool. They should keep him in that spot. I think that'll work perfectly for him. There was some really nice exchanges between Honda and Ichikawa in this as well, which is great. They just work so well together, and they do have a really cool finish. If they could clean that, I wrote down in my notes, if they could clean that up, that would start to come together and look great. And they do perfect that by the end of this tour. So it's nice to see how that came together, starting with this match. Yeah, I really, I love the dynamic that you get. And we'll talk about that throughout the episode of uh, Honda and Ashino. But uh, you, you raise a really good point where Honda's not really changing his character. And if anything, this really um, fleshes it out, especially that exchange in the beginning with trying to get uh Ashino to wear the sunglasses almost like a, a little brother annoying his big brother into playing along and it's it's very charming and uh then it just sort of carries on to the into the match as well just that whole personality he's very very sure of himself and sure of his character and that's just really nice to see oh uh yeah yeah to add to your point yeah this was a very good match um one of the good things about these two teams together as well is like obviously for like the past year and also we had the we basically had babyface Ashino, which has been cool, but obviously we all know how good he is as a heel. So, you know, hopefully soon, you know, more uh, more of what he used to be and, you know, with some older members of his team, hopefully soon. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
We're going to talk about that extensively yes. as we get towards oh, yeah. the end We're... of the tour. <laughs> Smiley yes. and I are about to have a party. Yes. <laughs> but we'll talk about that in a bit. Yes. Hokuto Amore defeated Rising Hayato in 10 and a half minutes. I thought this was a really fun back and forth match. Both men looked great. And the last couple of minutes were really, really good. Um, also, I love that Amori took a page out of Padama's book by sneaking under the ring. I thought this was really good. There were some nice exchanges here. Amori had a great bridging suplex. Those are some really um, strong moves from him. I like that they were given some time to work with this, and Amori is definitely very clever with the finish, although this stuff does happen to poor Hayato a lot. And then he, you can see like these like Kentoisms in him like during like these type of situations which is really funny but yeah i thought this was a really um nice short match and showed a lot of strengths in both of them yeah i actually went back and rewatched this match um after alicia had suggested that maybe we could see uh hokuto amori and hayato teaming together uh sometime in the future i i thought that was a really fun prediction so i kind of wanted to watch them work together again uh and i i really have nothing to add here. I thought it was a really fun match. I thought their uh, chemistry was really good. You could definitely see um, their characters coming along. Um, like you said, the Kentoisms are starting starting to be seen. So uh, yeah, I, I thought it was a fun, fun little match. Yeah, this was a good match. Uh, you know, uh, it's been a bit like, uh, I, I'd say at the same level, like the past year and a half. So it's like, like this kind of match is good to uh, showcase show how really good he is. So, you know, I wouldn't uh, complain if it's a junior title match in the future. The Goora TV title match was up next. Izanagi defeated Black Menso Ray and Shigehiro Irie to become the new champion. I honestly love this match. I thought it was buckets of fun. It exceeded my expectations by like 100%. It was only eight minutes, so it was very, very short, but they packed so much into the match. The cannonball spot to Izanagi by Irie with Mentor Ray on his back it was so, so good. It's sad to see Irie's reign end as I thought they could do more with him, but I'm very happy for Izanagi. I really liked the Gaura TV title, um, I guess, storyline this month was uh, really fun with them just throwing in all of these random little like three-way, four-way multi-man matches um, while Black Mentor Ray always just got the... Uh, the short end of the stick every time. It was, it was a really fun little, uh, I almost like a, a gag or a bit that they were doing. Um, and I enjoyed, I enjoyed watching it. Uh, I thought this match, like you said, was just a really fun little sprint. And uh, it was, it was a really fun watch. I don't know. I think oh, really, I don't know. <laughs> I, oh, really? I, so short. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it was, it was short, which I think was probably like the better Thing for me personally <laughs> but like you you guys know that like black mental ray is not necessarily for me and I haven't really like love I know sorry everyone sorry everyone's making faces at me but like and like Izanagi in this in this in this role as well like whatever like it's fine this is like to me this is like lower card mid card stuff I just I think what's disappointing for me is that the Gaara title, like that could be a much more interesting title for All Japan. I think that they could do more compelling things with, with that title, but they, in taking it right off of Irie and then throwing it onto Izanagi, it, there just, there just doesn't seem to be a lot of direction with that title. And it doesn't seem to be a lot of identity to that title. Um, and that's, I think kind of been the problem with that title for a while. I think they could do more with it. I just think that in this sort of booking, you're not going to get much in a way of direction with that title, but that's just my thing. And again, like, you know, Black Men's Array is 
great. I just don't get like super excited when his matches are on. I'm sorry, everyone. Everyone's sad at me now. Um, yeah, I gonna lie. I'm on like the opposite end of it. Uh, I actually thought this is probably one of the best ones I've seen for the Gaara TV title because like, so like triple threat matches, like yeah, I don't really want to see it. And then just everything happens. Like okay, okay, this is actually good. But I was excited about EDA losing. Uh, like obviously, you know, it's kind of you didn't get to do what we could have done. I guess like maybe we could have got some like other challenges from other promotions. But you know, it was it was it was uh, it was a very good match. So. And after the match, Buckminster Ray challenged for the belt and asked it to be a ladder match. Suama and Minoru defeated Dan Tamora and Hikaru Sato in 13 minutes. And oh my goodness, Dan's back looks so painful. I felt so bad for the guy. Uh, once we got past the outside brawling and all the weapons, it became actually a pretty good match. I thought Minoru and Sato worked so well together and so did Dan and Suama. I completely agree with you, Jesse. I mean, the combination of Suama and Minoru is fantastic. I mean, you're almost guaranteed a really good Voodoo Murders match if it's like Suama and him or Suama and Shuji Kondo. So always good to see that. And Dan like really worked his ass off. And that's kind of just going to be the theme of a lot of these matches throughout the month with Dan is like how hard he works throughout them. And he gets this really great sympathetic baby face reaction, which is important in building Dan at the stage and moving him through the storyline. So I thought that was great, but there's, there's a fair amount of voodoo murders nonsense in this match, but evolution does keep this moving and they kept this compelling throughout. So the match never felt like it was being sort of hindered by that voodoo murder sort of interference and nonsense. But I do love Suwama having moved into this more um, overt heel role and kind of reverting back to his voodoo murders roots with this. I, I do like him in this role a lot. Um, and especially if we can keep it to Minoru and Shuji Kondo and him, I think it works really, really well. Yeah, I know we have a lot more to say on Suwama's uh, current uh, mm-hmm. character as uh, the month goes on, because uh, this is really, it's, it's turned out to be really compelling. It's, a, it's very interesting to uh, watch him. Um, however, I do wish he sort of watched where he was throwing that guardrail. <laughs> I think I wrote, um, please, someone won't, won't somebody please save poor Dan Tamara. I wrote that in my notes three different times. But yeah, I, I thought this match was fun. I would give a lot of money to see a good Minoru versus Sato singles match. Um, I thought that that's what we were working towards in that match. I thought they were we were going for a title match between the two. Um, that's not what happened, but I was really excited for that idea. So uh, I'd say those sequences between Minoru and Sato are definitely cannot miss. Yeah, for the Voodoo's murder standard, this match was quite good. Uh, Sato and Minoru interaction was very fun but you know unfortunately we won't be getting the title match but just plug in that if you want to see one i think there's uh the 2017 show on some old japan tv the some action series so jake lee and yuma aoyagi defeated aski aoyagi and kento miyahara in 19 minutes and 10 seconds but before the match naoya namora crashed the show after calling him out over and over again namora finally showed up to confront yuma he and his real blood teammate Mizuki Watse stormed the ring. Hokuto Amore came out next and got in Namora's face. He was angry that he was back in all Japan. Suji Ishikawa and Takao Amore ran to the ring to try to separate the four and get the show back on track. This match was good, but I think the focus was on what happened before the match, which kind of took away from the match a bit. 
Hearing about Nomura and Watase coming out to interrupt the start of this match gave me the most intense rush of joy that I have not experienced since Kenta's walkout at the Budokan in January. So that should say a lot about the state of wrestling for me in 2022. <laughs> but I was overjoyed. We had literally, were just more or less coming off of the last Talking Triple Crown where we were sort of speculating that Yuma's comments about him being a basement champion and like really leaning on those comments and, um, you know, talking about Nomura through social media, that that would come to something, that that would amount to something. And um, I'm obviously just thrilled that it has. I really couldn't be happier about it being real blood that has made the appearance as well, because that gets me thinking about, well, hopefully we'll get a real world tag league appearance because that would be excellent um, to have obviously Nomura back in an all Japan ring, but to also have Wataze in an all Japan ring as well, because he's super talented and it would be great to have him there. This whole interaction between them was just fascinating too. I loved Jake being very aloof and trying to outright ignore Nomura, which is classic Jake Lee and him trying to walk away twice from what was happening was fantastic. Kento having to figure out how to get the attention back onto him when everybody left the ring was also classic, really good stuff. So yeah, this was all really, really, really good and and very um, exciting. There's obviously going to be a lot of stuff to talk about with Nomura heading in towards champion side four, but just to have him back in a ring and that having Yuma's comments having amounted to something was amazing in terms of the match itself. You know, Atsuki was really trying to prove himself against his older brother and that's never not going to amount to something that's kind of compelling and fun and exciting. So that was really good. Jake coming in to interfere in this match looked really cool. Yuma and Jake just work really well together and it's exciting to see that again. And the energy between Jake and Kento was perfect. They can slip into their feud together at any point and just pick right back up with it. And it's awesome. They bring out something in each other that's so unique to them. And the exchange when they finally got back into the ring after being outside for a while was just really excellent and exciting. And Atsuki really held his own in this and brought it to his brother. So loved that. And the near falls were crazy. And I thought the match was awesome. I, I, I was really, really into this, even though obviously the beginning point where Nomura and Mataze interrupted was the uh, the big focal point and the big news coming out of it. Yeah, I agree. I um, Most of the notes I put down here were how bright Atsuki shined during this match is very much a uh, very good match for him. Also wrote down that Yuma and Jake just have phenomenal uh, tag team chemistry. Very excited to see more of them tagging. I did think that the uh, opening, that the first segment sort of took precedence over the match, that um, it definitely, Naoya was definitely the big news here. Uh, I loved Kento uh, just being absolutely beside himself that he wasn't the center of attention. It was really classic Kento. It was very funny. I thought that was the funniest thing I've ever seen. Um, So I really enjoyed it. I thought it was great. Uh, Watase, I really haven't seen much of him since um, him leaving DDT. So it was very exciting to see him. He looks like an entirely different wrestler. <laughs> um, so I've been going back into his stuff in Gone Pro and he's really grown a lot. So I'm very excited to see um, him here in AJPW as well. Um, yeah, this match was very, 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 very good. But like, like it was uh, like the Asuki Aoyagi showcase. So obviously he's been it's the big three in all Japan, obviously. And he's the one who shined the brightest out of all four of them. Um, and when it comes to the angle, like I wasn't really surprised that no more to come at all because like I had that big weird feeling where you know uh Yuma subtweeting him was like gonna lead to something eventually but I just didn't think it happened on a show like this so it was like kind of weird and it just sounds like I guess to like subscribers that you know you shouldn't miss a show that uh, they upload because you know you might end up missing stuff like this and um, yeah I'm glad happy to see Nomura back because um 
he's uh, he's too too good to be like I don't know. Not, I don't want to be uh, taking shots at Gampro, but you know, he he he's, he's he's too good. He's too too good. So I need him back in my old defense. So yeah. No, that makes sense. And I'm curious, Smiley, did you when he when he left and we talked about this actually on episode three of Kickout? You know, we talked about him leaving, but did you think that him coming back was like this was always a possibility or did you think that like this was really going to be something where it was not you know amicable or you know do you think it's a work like like what are your thoughts on like how this kind of turned out because the timing of it is sort of strange and how it all yeah. has panned out yeah yeah I'm not gonna lie yet I wouldn't be surprised if it was like the whole plan like just to bring him on the black back under a new identity though something different and more of a like an invasion angle as opposed to oh he's turning um, a heel or whatever like something different make me something more exciting because obviously I don't think any of us expected it and like, when I saw he came back I was like I knew I had to watch the show for this show anyways but I was like I definitely have to watch the show now for sure yeah it's interesting I, I think definitely I don't think this could have been predicted I think that more and more of like when I sit with the timeline of things I do think that this was probably planned and it does feel like they're going to go with the outsider booking for him which makes sense like all japan does lean on that kind of booking it's just interesting that they're doing it with someone who is very much one of their own which is i think maybe maybe new yeah. i don't know if like it's something that they've done before with someone and i'm not thinking of it but i just think that that component is very interesting so i guess burning would count that you know it makes Nakayama, they booked him as an outsider he had he started in all japan yeah. i guess that, in that way it makes sense but it just it's interesting that they would do that with Nomura in order to, I guess, reintroduce him after being on a layoff for so long. Yeah, it makes it a bit more uh, spicy, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. Oh, yeah. I'm going to say a weird thing. I want to say a weird thing. I was, like, when I first saw it, I was kind of like disappointed in Kento and Jake's reactions. But then at the same time, it's like it's not their battle to fight, I guess. So, But then um, his, uh, his post-match comments after Champions Match will, you know, allude to something later. That might happen later on, so... Yeah, for sure. I think there's going to be a lot more coming and we'll definitely get to that when we hit Champions Night 4. Yeah, I just want to mention what you said about Jake. He looks so bored when Nomura was in the ring fighting with Yuma and Hokuto. He was just like thinking like, why the hell am I doing this? Why am I teaming up with Yuma? There's photos that fans took and it's just so hilarious just how bored Jake looked. I love that though, because that's him. That was the exact appropriate reaction for Jake as he is right now. And even before he turned heel and he went down this path of total eclipse, Jake can be very aloof. And he would do that stuff with Ashino even before he turned heel as well, where like if he, you know, if you're not on Jake's level, so to speak, he will disregard you. That made sense to me that he was trying to ignore this and walk away because like to him, it's like, he doesn't even care about Nomura. Nomura left. So so why should he care that Nomura is suddenly back in the ring? Um, so that to me was extremely compelling. Kento and, and Nomura is going to be really interesting to see how that shakes out. Because to me, like, I love this a lot because there is still so much unresolved between all of the, you know, original members of Next Stream. And we're going to be able to see now as we go through the next couple of weeks to months how they how they plan to make all of this work but there's a lot unresolved and there's going to be a lot of different things that shift and change with these relationships and it'll be interesting to see like how kento and nomura um, interact when they finally get to actually do that day two was on the 12th of june and 999 people were in attendance which was a really good number especially since cyber fight festival 
and New Japan's Dominion was on the same day. It was also the six-man tournament. This tournament was announced all the way back at the Champion Carnival press conference with the president announcing it. Fuminori Abe, Takuya Nomura and Kosuke Sato defeated Hikaru Sato, Dan Tamura and Ryo Inoue in 7 minutes and 45 seconds. Tajiri, Yoshitatsu and Black Manso Rei defeated Takao Omore, ATM and Arata in just over 7 minutes. Shoto Oshino, Ryuki Honda and Seigo Tachibana defeated Fuminori Abe, Takuya Nomura and Kosuke Sato in 10 minutes and 30 seconds. T-Hawk, Shigehiro Irie and Isi Onisuka defeated Tajiri, Yoshitatsu, Black Manso Rei in 10 minutes. T-Hawk, Shigehiro Irie and Isi Onisuka defeated Shoto Oshino, Riki Honda and Seigo Tajibana to win the tournament in 16 minutes. And the Strong Heart Boys got a big novelty check for winning. The first thing I want to talk about before I even talk about the wrestling is Ashino came out in sunglasses and I just yeah. felt so happy and so smug since last episode. Rachel and Alicia was like, he doesn't need sunglasses. I'm like, he needs it. I, I wanted to say something, but I thought, nah, I'd be nice. But yes, sunglasses and Ashino is now a theme. No, yeah, I was I was really huffy because I truly believed that he was going to go the no sunglasses route. He he worked me. He really had me there. But uh, but no, he he put him on. He looked great, and I fell for it immediately. I was like, oh yes, of course they were going to wear the sunglasses the whole time. So I just thought he was going to okay. be more withholding about it, and then like make the moment grander. Like I just thought he would probably hold out until the Budokan, but it's fine. <laughs> I guess it'll, if uh, this whole team falls apart, then it will be all the more dramatic when he takes the sunglasses off and stomps on them or something. So they will be that. Don't, don't curse us with any more changes. I don't know. I'm always wrong. I'm, I'm totally, I'm always wrong. So we're still going to see some changes, but don't curse us with that kind of change. Okay. Smiley, what did you think about this tournament? Did you have any standout matches or moments or anything you want to highlight? Okay, first thing, yeah, I don't really see the point of Cardinal Ito changing his gimmick, especially on a show where he's probably uh, sponsored. Don't get me wrong, it's a cool gimmick anyway. It's literally, uh, I think it was, uh, it's like basically a million dollar man. I don't know why it's called ATM, but it's a bit, yeah. Uh, second of all, I'd say the only match worth watch is probably, uh, obviously probably, I'm going to call them the new art fans, but them and the BGRW team and their finals. Um, I'd say the first thing is they probably should have done it for the six-man tag team titles. But. That decision to not do it like that was definitely a little strange, but I agree with you. Like This was mostly like yeah. fine, but those matches you highlighted are definitely the ones to to watch. A lot of my notes are like, this was fine. Takawamori was in it. So like, you know, there you go. Yeah. I would say like on a small show like this, where it's like, it's not really, um, you know, there's not, um, not main matches. I guess uh, it's a nice sort of, way to fill the card and it's like something new and you know different yes so i'm always up for that yeah i think this was fine it was nothing crazy it was just a fun little tournament that came out of nowhere really i was hoping for a bjw slash strong heart final but what we got was good i was a bit surprised that i call them the sunglass squad ashino honda and tachibana I'm surprised that they lost because they were like coming in, like saying, oh yeah, we're going to win the tournament. And then they just lose. But I mean, it was for a check. It wasn't for the belts. It should have been for the belts. The fact that they stripped the champions of the six man tag belts a couple of days after champions night fall. And instead of for the show, just blows my mind. Like, I don't understand why they didn't strip them for this tournament. 
Alicia had a good answer when we were talking. Remind about me it. of what my answer was. <laughs> you said that uh, this company is too uh, considering of Yoshitatsu's feelings. Oh, that is what I said. Yeah. <laughs> well, I meant that feels that. right. Yeah, that feels right. All Asia Tag Team Title Match next, and we had Total Eclipse team of Amore and Kadama defeat Next Dream team of Aski and Hayato in twelve minutes. Aski and Hayato did debut their new team name, which was Next Stars. Uh, there was no denying this was a good match, but just for some reason, I could not get into it. I don't know. I love all these four guys, but this match just didn't captivate me for some reason. I don't know why. I probably have to rewatch it, but it, like, it was good. There's no denying it was good. But for some reason, I just didn't. Yeah. I thought this match was very classic. I thought it was a very um, almost typical um, baby face versus heels like tag team match. Um, which, you know, I could, I could see that sort of, um, not necessarily falling flat, but failing to like really capture someone, but I actually sort of went the opposite direction where it was just really easy to bite into. Um, I was getting ready to watch cyber fight festival. So it was just a really nice little warm up match for me. It came at the right time. So I really liked it. I was really gutted that next stars didn't win. I almost didn't even understand it at the time. Now that the month is completed, I kind of get why uh, that decision was made but it it almost didn't make sense to me it felt like watching this match it's like okay the baby faces are going to go over and then they have their own little team name now and they have their dumb little turnbuckle pose where they try to make a star with their bodies like they felt like the team to do it they felt like the ones that were supposed to take the all asia tag belts and then they didn't and i was I was a little gutted. I was, I was left a little cold, but the match itself was very good. Very classic little match. I definitely thought that they were going to win because they named their tag team. So when they lost, I was like, Oh shit, that's wild. Um, And then it made sense. Like Rachel was saying that they like what happens pretty much right after this, everything kind of makes sense why they didn't win. But then as soon as they lost, I was like, oh, I think I kind of understand the direction of where this is going to end up going with the all Asia tag belts. I have a theory. I have a feeling that the Saito brothers, when they return from excursion, I have a feeling that they will, they will win um, the titles at the Budokan. That's my theory. So I feel like we're waiting for the Saito brothers to come back, basically, to take that from Omori and Kodama. Yeah, I actually wouldn't have thought of that. That's a really good little theory. I think that's really solid. But yeah. I guess uh, naming your team is almost as cursed as getting matching gear. So, Smiley, what do you think? Oh, yeah. I thought it was a good match. Um, I would say I feel like they would have a match in the future. I feel like they could go to that next, next not an extra level, but an extra level. But yeah, um, I also thought, um, I didn't think the next stream team would win. So it was like, it was that, I guess, but like I, I also kind of didn't want them to win because I want Atsuki's first title to be the, the junior title. So, yeah, but it was a good match. And uh, Omori and Kodama continue having a good, a good race. So, yeah. The main event, we had six-man champion carnival winners tag. Jake Lee, Suji Ishikawa, and Yuma defeated Kento Mihara, Suama, and Minoru Suzuki in 20 and a half minutes after Kento's partners left him alone. Quickly before the match, I do want to mention the press conference because that was just wild. Suwama got fed up a couple minutes in and stormed off. Suzuki said that everybody in this match is an enemy, even his own tag team partners. And Yuma compared his team to Dragon Ball Z characters. <laughs> On brand. Yeah, classic. 
Uh, surprisingly, this was Suji and Suzuki's first time sharing a ring together. And with their long careers, I was actually really surprised that they haven't crossed paths before. And also, Suji, Jake, and Yuma have actually been a team all the way back in April 2020. They teamed together. I loved this match, like, a lot. Like, like I can see this match honestly becoming, like, a, I don't like to make top tens or anything at the end of the year. They stress me out. But if I did make one, this would probably end up getting on. Cause it was fun. It was awesome. Although like putting all the 20 minute entrance guys in one match, like that's a choice from all Japan. That was a lot. <laughs> that was a lot when I was watching this at like almost midnight when I put it on, but I loved this. Misu antagonizing Kento is always great. And we got that like straight off the bat. So that's just fantastic. Continuing off with the bad vibes left from the press conference. I loved Wada making Jake get into the photo with Yuma and uh, Shuji. <laughs> Uh, with the what was it the, uh, the the trophy um, that was really funny. Wada has to do a lot of managing of people in this match as he usually does. There were some great crowd reactions for Kento and Jake um, in the beginning, which was really cool to hear and see. But this match was also chaotic because Suwama caused so many problems with everyone. He and Yuma were just brutal to each other. Ishikawa had that awesome foot stomp on Misu, which like surprised the hell out of me when he did that. But that was. That was awesome. And Jake always has that like really nice like kick that he does off the ropes. And he had like this awesome kick off the ropes after a forearm exchange with Kento that just looked awesome. And then you had like the peak comedy moments with Wada, keeping an eye on Suwama and Misu so that the other team could just keep beating up Kento, which was deserved. That was cool. And then Jake getting the pin over um, Kento here really surprised me. I did not think that he would get such a definitive pin over the champion heading into Champions Night 4. That was really interesting to sit with right before um, such an important match for both of them. But I did love this six-man. The drama of Kento and Jake was fantastic, mixed with the comedic aspects of just Suwama and Suzuki just just being, like, peak themselves. Yeah, I really like that uh, Kento and Jake didn't forget that this was beyond all else a preview match for Champions Night 4. They kept to the heart of their relationship, their rivalry, and um, really spoke to that throughout the match. And their exchanges were awesome. Um, loved Suzuki and Ishikawa's exchanges. I thought like they were really, really exciting, especially since, as you mentioned, they had never shared a ring together before. Um, so they were just really brutal. Um, really probably my favorite parts of the match. Um, you mentioned that stomp was really cool. Um, I thought, yeah, I thought the ending stretch was especially perfect. Um, this is matches a really easy, um, story to tell where you have two slap together teams and the most united one wins, but I thought that they did it perfectly. I thought that it was told very loudly and clearly and concisely. You have this really big dramatic um, moment, I guess, with Kento sort of um, deciding he'd be the hero and take on all of his opponents at once. And he completely eats shit for it. And it's just, it's, I thought it was great. I thought it was very Kento. And then you have Jake coming in and um, getting a decisive win off of himself, but also a little bit of, uh, I wouldn't say power of friendship, but there's definitely a lot more of a united front there. So I thought that was just a nice, good story. Like I thought it was a really well put together match. Yeah, this was a, this was a decent main event. I thought it would be like a fun one. Uh, I'm not gonna lie, Minoru Suzuki has kind of been rude to me because of the, the murder grandpa memes, but yeah, but uh, <laughs> he did good. And uh, I, liked, I liked the stuff with Shuji. So 
well, hopefully one day we can see a, get a match just because I want to see him try to do rush style power driver Ishikawa so like oh. ending like with the, yeah like just the way the end of the match with obviously Suzuki and Suama swarming off was perfect because you know how Kento's like he always wants to be the centre of attention so it's kind of funny to see him get beaten up and uh, I can't explain expected Jake to win because you know I thought the champions might fall uh, thingies would be different results but yeah it was a, it was a good match I think uh I think the best part about this match was the ending celebrations where Yumi was on uh, Shuji's shoulders. That was very funny. That was awesome. I thought it was really funny when Kento was getting beaten up by his three opponents. He's screaming at the top of his lungs for uh, Suzuki and Suwama. And it's just like this high-pitched scream. <laughs> and then he just throws water in the middle of them trying to like, hey, beat up water instead of me. <laughs> <They're> like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. it. That stuff just really doesn't get old for me. Day three was a Champions Night 4 show. The attendance was 1,398, which is up from Champions Night 3. In the opening, we had Oji Shiba defeat Ryu Inoue in just under five minutes. I thought this was a pretty good opening match, and these two made the most of the time they were given. Shiba used to wrestle in Dragon Gate, so that's where he's from. He looked good in his first time in all Japan, and he could be a good guy to bring in now and then. And on Twitter, he seemed very, very excited to wrestle for the company. Next up was a Goro TV title in a ladder match. Tajizo defeated Izanagi, Black Mento Rei, Yusuke Kadama to become the new Goro TV title champion in just seven and a half minutes. This was different to a normal ladder match. There was no belt hung up above the ring. Instead, all four men brought their own ladders to the ring, except for Izanagi, who brought a stepladder. I really liked this. I did think it was a lot of fun. Kadama was definitely the MVP, using the ladders the most. Uh, it was a bit disappointing to see Izanagi lose with zero successful defenses, especially since he lost a junior title with zero successful defenses. And I honestly think it was only a matter of time before Voodoo Murders start winning belts. This match, I'm going to be a little bit more. I don't know. Here's the thing. Yusuke Kodama was the star of this match. Captain Lou, in his review of this, had a great line about Yusuke Kodama being willing to die for the sport. And that was very true in this match. So that's like the high point to me is um, Kodama. I mean, he's just, he was incredible in this. Like he really was fantastic to watch. Kodama is the star for sure. I have like no notes about the ladders, which just shows you how quickly the ladders were abandoned. And it just became like a regular four-way. I don't care for gimmick matches. So I think booking this is like a regular four away from the jump would have just been fine, but like, whatever, that's fine. You know, other people I think enjoyed this. I just, just, you know, that to me is silly. I don't really like those type of matches, but uh, Tajizo immediately beating Izanagi for this. Like, I just, like, I felt bad for Izanagi. I don't like that necessarily. And like, like you said, Jesse, I think it was only a matter of time before they flipped a belt onto someone from Voodoo Murders. I guess it makes sense to do this for Tajizo. I just, I'm just questioning why they even bothered putting the belt onto Izanagi like couldn't Irie have just carried it through through to here like like that part of it is like sort of strange I don't know but um I thought this was fine it's definitely worth watching in my opinion for Yusuke Kodama's performance that's what I wrote down is that watch it if you're a Kodama fan but he's he definitely stole the show I think when you get gimmick matches like this you're gonna need someone to be a Looney Tunes cartoon character and um, Kodama will always do that. Um, he will he will take um, every chance he gets. Um, took some really crazy good bumps there. Uh, I like that that he's willing to die for this sport because that's about right. No, I thought um, 
I thought he should have won, honestly, watching this. Um, I really, really thought that it would have made the most amount of sense if they're going to take the belt off of Izanagi. They should have just put it on Kadama. I don't think that um, Toshizo's really won me over. <laughs> I, I don't really see much appeal in him. He didn't stand out in this match at all. Um, he simply exists to me. So we'll see how that goes. We'll see if he does anything with the belt. He might, but um, as of right now, I'm I'm very lukewarm on that decision. But I thought the match itself was fine. Yeah, this match was okay. I was just a bit uh, disappointed that they didn't go like full on ladder match. Like you're gonna if you're gonna call it a ladder match, you should make it go like full on ballistic. You know, but Kodama was fully treated like it was an actual ladder match. Like the the match splash was cool. Um, Hosh is always a bit weird. I, I don't know why. It's like one of those we added off. Like, I feel sorry for Izanagi as well. It's like, you know, two V0 raids. Like, you may as well just let him run with it. Up next, we had Masanobu Fuchi, ATM, and Takao More defeat Sushi, Yoshitatsu, and Masayo Inoue in 10 minutes. This was not much. It was just a tag to get everybody in the show. It is good to see Fuchi and he's not so secret close fist punches and ATM paying off the referee to do a fast count was probably the highlight of the match, to be honest. Yeah, that's probably the more exciting parts of the match. It's always so awesome to see Fuchi and I was excited to see him work against um, Masao in a way because how is that not going to be entertaining every single time? That was really funny to me. Asuki Oyagi defeated Rising Haito in 10 minutes. I thought this was very, very good. I loved it. And it was supposed to be a friendly team match to test each other, but you felt by the end of it, the look Asuki gave Heito, the team was over. It was done. And also, I feel like this team has come full circle. The way Heito and Asuki joined Next Dream was a singles match that ended in a double knockout. And now this was another singles match to end their tag team of Next Dream and end Asuki's journey with Next Dream, which we'll get to very, very shortly. These two are the masters of the 10 minute banger. Like this, this was just absolutely really great. Their chemistry is unmatched. Um, Hayato looked like a part in the pun rising star here. And uh, Atsuki just looked like he was ready. Like you, you could really feel that he was ready to take that belt um, at the Budokan. Hopefully uh, we will see, but I really, um, I could not see him as anything less than a junior ace for this company. They just have really, really good chemistry together. And there's a lot to be said for a a future rivalry. And I mean, they are rivals to an extent, but uh, I'm excited to see the rivalry bloom now that we uh, have gotten to that point. There's a lot of money to be made on a rivalry between those two. Oh yeah. A lot of really, really heart-stopping near falls um, in here. Like they're always really good with near falls, those two specifically, but it was really good. Um, and Hayato's chops are really impressive. <laughs> I, I put that in there that I was, I was really, really uh, almost, I guess, secondhand hurt from some of those chops. So that was really good. This is a very, very, very good match. I would say like, definitely like up until this point, this show was like perfect for what it was. And I would actually call this probably the best match of both Reza's career so far. Like you could just tell like they've got that chemistry with back in the ring and the, uh, Hopefully, more matches between them two to come. Uh, kind of sad about them, you know, uh, no longer being a team, but it's probably best for both of them. And I'd like, uh, in this match particularly, you can see like Kento's Roban Hayato is starting to look like a mini Kento, and he's getting like that in ring presence that he was missing. So he's become like 
he's becoming uh, or he's built, he's improving, you know, as we go as we go along. And you can kind of see Yuma in Asuki a bit with how cheeky he is and how like sometimes he's non-expressive. Like Yuma's non-expressive sometimes. You just have to wonder like what's going on in there. And I feel like Asuki's getting to that stage as well. I can say that Yuma's my favorite. It's fine. <laughs> yes. I know, I love it. Yes, it's great. Schools, schools. That's so great. No, I totally agree with you guys for sure. Naoya Nomura defeated Hokuto Amori in a very short match. It didn't even last five minutes. Super quick. Omori got his butt kicked as Nomura was in control for most of the match. This was fine for what it was. I, I just love seeing Nomura back in all Japan. I honestly thought the match he had in December against Yuma would be the last one because he literally said in the ring, last match in English. So to see him back is just a joy. When I asked Zavi how this one went before I was able to get the show on, he told me Nomura gave Omori a prison beatdown, and that was <laughs> extremely <laughs> accurate. I loved this for Nomura's sheer brutality in this. It wasn't um, a very long match, as Jesse said, but it was just perfect in reestablishing Nomura as someone with an axe to grind against this roster, which is really compelling. And he was starting with Omori. And I liked Omori trying to get one over on Omura by attacking him before the bell. And Omori looked really good here. He doesn't lose anything in Omura beating the brakes off him at all. If anything, this established that Omori can believably hang with heavyweights. He's, you know, he's on the shorter side, I guess, but he's like a bigger guy. So I think that like, if anything, it just showed that he can really hang with heavyweights. And that's kind of interesting thinking about where he could possibly go within all Japan. I love Nomura's anger here and his intensity. And it seems like based on his comments, which Smiley alluded to earlier um, backstage, that he's ready to wage war against the major players in all Japan. And he referenced specifically people like Kento. I believe he mentioned Jake as well. So I'm really excited um, to see where this is going to go. And like Jesse said as well, it's just so great to have him back in an all Japan ring. That's what it was. It was, it was a, a prison beat down. Yeah. I loved it. I thought it was uh, just really fun. I thought it ruled. I have no, no real uh, detailed notes on it. I just thought it was a really fun uh, way to get Nomura back into the promotion. Yeah, this was a very, very good match. I enjoyed it for what it was, like, five minutes. I can't really complain, but it was uh, probably the best way to show, like, the new style of Momura. Obviously, he's, you know, all Japan born and bred, but, you know, spending time in the basement, as Gina calls it, and in Gampro, you know, he's changed his ways a bit. And uh, I think as well, like, you get to see, um, like, a sort of, like, baby face side to Omori. Like, obviously, he's standing up to the invader. He's trying to um, defend his company, per se. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised that, like uh, seeing him being a big baby face for all Japan in the future. And obviously, like as Alicia was saying, you know, wouldn't be surprised if he was a heavyweight either. That's such a good point, Smiley. I think we've talked about that on the show before, but I don't really see Amori being a heel very much longer. I think that there's going to be a lot of things that shake out. There'll be, there's some moments that we still have to get through through this month. It's so hard to not talk about everything at once because yeah. so much happened, but I, I really don't see uh, a certain faction surviving much longer. And I don't see Omori staying a heel for very much longer either. Yeah. You raise a really good point there. Smiley is that uh, Omori did look very imperiled baby face here and it was very easy to latch onto him. And um, that's not like the first or last time that I've thought that about him. Uh, so I could definitely see, and uh, Alicia and I have talked about that in private as well, that uh, definitely could see Amori making a, a baby face 
turn more or less to uh to the side of good very soon so we will see junior title match time tiger marks defeated hikari sato to become the new junior heavyweight champion in just under 15 minutes two weeks later and i'm still pissed off with the result this match was billed as a sushi aoki memorial for some reason i'm not sure why they chose this match in particular Sato came down to the ring with his junior title, but also the title that was given to Aoki's family after he passed. Sato should have held the belt at least until Budokan then dropped it to Aski. It was like the perfect story. Like it was so simple and they messed it up. It could have been a passing the torch moment, but New Japan's got to come in and just be New Japan. This was hard because... Well, I'll, I'll get to it, but I, I do want to say that, like, for the, in terms of this match, Sato was on form as per usual. He did have to do some of the work of of carrying Tiger Mask through to the better parts of this match, but that is also not to say that Tiger Mask did not have his moments in this either. It's not a bad match at all. It's a solid match. It's just clear that Sato was the glue holding this match together. And I do love when Sato catches the arm for different submissions out of nowhere. I love the kickouts into arm bars. Like this was like, you know, a Sato match, right? It just, it, it really worked. And, you know, I echo a lot of Jesse's sentiments. I was, I'm still disappointed. I did not expect Sato to lose his belt in a match build as an Atsushi Aoki Memorial match. That feels very not great. (laughs) And I don't understand why they had to attach that there. I think they might move to have Tiger Mask drop the belt to someone like Atsuki in in the Budokan rather, but Tiger Mask isn't a big name in 2022. He's not even remotely the best Tiger Mask. So Atsuki wouldn't really be getting the rub from him so much as the act of winning in the Budokan. So to me, you could have achieved something more in having Sato be the one to drop it to Atsuki in the Budokan, considering Sato just defeated Atsuki in like, I think February to challenge Sugi for the belt. So you could have had that nice closure on that story in there rather than making this move to drop to Tiger Mask. But clearly there's some New Japan politics that have just kind of entered the the picture here, which is always going to be disappointing. So, so yeah, just not a fan of how this ended. Sato deserved a Budokan walkout at the very least for his contributions to this company. Yeah, not a fan. Yeah, he was on a killer run too. So it's really very disappointing that it didn't end at the uh, the Budokan. And I agree with you 100%, Alicia, this, this match. And I hate saying it. I really um, do not like using the term, but Sato did carry this match. He, he definitely was pushing Tiger Mask for, um, I would say Tiger Mask's knees were really sharp here. Uh, they looked really impressive. So credit where credit is due. Um, however, this match is almost a little hard to watch knowing the result because um, it almost became hard to suspend your disbelief watching this match that Sato was just very clearly wrestling circles around Tiger Mask to the point where him losing just didn't make any sense and it was just sort of hard to connect um, the dots the crowd was really silent um, when the title change happened to the point where it kind of just made me a little uncomfortable so yeah I'm I'm very not fond of this result but the match itself had some really good moments like I said the um the knees were really good big big shout out to uh, Sato's insecurities <laughs> I really like those so um, there were there was some good with the bad but the result was just very disappointing uh yeah this match was okay it was just like obviously as you know say the the result just uh, overshadows it I was just like 
uh, even though it's been like two weeks, it's like still feels uh, dumb. But and it's like New Japan took a huge dump on Old Japan, and as well as that, like uh, Atsushi Aoki Memorial, I don't get what was behind that, and obviously having him lose that, so Hikaru Sato lose is a bit of a is another one. But uh, it was fine. Um, hopefully, based on the schedule, we won't be holding it for long. Fingers crossed. Like when that happened, I was a bit uh, like you know, I was uh, it was doom and gloom, but you know. I'm trying to keep hopeful. Hopefully, we get that Sato and uh, Atsuki match at the Budokan for the junior title. After the match, Dan Tamura and Izanagi came to the ring to challenge. Tiger Mask will face Dan first, and whoever wins that match will go on to face Izanagi. I'm happy for Dan. I don't know why Izanagi is getting a title shot, though. One thing I wonder what they're going to do is when Sugi had the belt back in January, I think it was, or February, Aski came to the ring and he was like, this is the 50th anniversary of All Japan. If anyone's going to hold that belt, it's going to be an All Japan wrestler. So I wonder if they're going to run that back and have Aski do that again now that Tiger Mask is holding that. It's a good point. Sushi Kondo defeated Yuma Ayaki in 11 minutes and 33 seconds. I thought this was a bit disappointing to me. I saw so many people hype this matchup. I didn't really get the hype, especially because Kondo has a Dragon Gate title match coming up. I thought there's no way he's going to lose. Toshizo coming out towards the end was pointless. He didn't even distract anyone except for the referee. After the match, Voodoo Murders attacked Yuma, but his bro Aski made the save. He got on the mic and said he will leave next stream and be with Yuma, as Yuma is nothing without his brother. So this match was just fine, which was (laughs) sad, because I wanted this to go crazy, because I really love Shuji Kondo, and I wanted this to go nuts. But it didn't really reach that level for me. And I don't know why they didn't kind of leave second gear, but it sort of was what it was. I did enjoy how hard hitting it was at points. And I was confused about Kondo getting the win, considering he's a junior wrestler going over the champion carnival winner. But like you said, Jesse, he did have that dragon gate challenge, which I didn't realize prior to this match. So that actually makes a lot of sense. However, the gas can incident blew my mind. This confused me for like two days until I like fully unraveled what happened when, so that, so it ended up like, I was not sure that was Toshizo at first because it didn't look like Toshizo, didn't look like his body. And then he was wearing a different mask. And I literally, I messaged Rachel and was like, who is this other member of Voodoo Murders that I didn't realize was a part of Voodoo Murders because it didn't look like Toshizo at all, but it was him. And then I did not realize that like the, what was supposed to happen was that Toshizo comes out with the gas can and distracts Yuma. And then that's how Kondo overwhelms Yuma to get like that heel win. But that's not how it looked because the cameras didn't really pick up on that. Like all that happens with, all that happened was that like the audience was more distracted by Toshizo than Yuma. And we barely got to see what was happening in the ring. So it just looks like actual good wrestler Shuji Kondo bodied Yuma to get the win, which was all extremely confusing to me. And I don't know why we needed to have Toshizo out there with a very empty gas can in the end. It was really, that was silly to me. That didn't need to happen. But yeah, so that was weird. I wanted this to be better than it was, but I did love that we had Atsuki coming out to defend his brother and then announce that he had left next stream formally, even though we had kind of gotten the impression earlier in the, in the card that he had, that he had done that based on how he left things with Hayato. It is hard to imagine those two apart. So it makes a lot of sense. They bring them together. So I'm just interested to see again, like how they start to build things with Atsuki and 
um, Yuma and potentially Jake. And we'll talk about that as we get into um, the end of the month too. But it's just interesting to see like where that might lead. Yeah, I thought this match could have gone a lot harder than it uh, than it did. I thought that there's a lot more that these two could do together. Um, we'll see if maybe they will get there. Um, that would be exciting. But um, that, yeah, that gas tank or that gas can was just extremely empty. Like you could just tell how empty it was. It just really took me out of it. Um, it just really did not feel, um, it just felt like very comic and goofy uh, Looney Tunes, but not in the fun Yusuke Kodama way. Yeah, I think um, the real part of this match that uh, I really enjoyed was the ending, was uh, Atsuki coming out and um, looking really strong. And I had joked on Twitter that it was like watching a chihuahua run off two pit bulls, but um, it was, and it was very enjoyable. <laughs> he looked like a very believable chihuahua running off those, uh, those pit bulls. And then, of course, him addressing his brother going from... Um, going from Aoyagi onto Onichan was just very cute. It got me teary-eyed immediately. It was very cute. Um, I was very hesitant when I saw on Twitter the news at first. I was like, oh, he's just going back to his brother and he's going to just, you know, go right back into Yuma's shadow. But no, you don't get that feeling um, watching that. You do not feel like he's going to be overshadowed by Yuma at all. You feel like they're going to be a very even partnership. And I mean, Atsuki was very much the uh, the stronger one sticking up for his uh, big brother here. So I thought that was a, I thought it was a, just a very good little moment. Yeah, this one, uh, this one felt like a squash match to me. I don't really, can't really remember like Yuma getting any offense or anything. And um, like the sad thing is, like when it started to get going, that's when that Toshi's all appearance happened. And when I saw him, obviously, you know, he's under a new mask. I kind of got hyped, you know. I was like, okay, new Rudy member. All right, cool, cool. And then I saw Twitter as like it's, it's Toshi's all like that. But yeah, it's kind of uh, those. I say it was like one of the. Um, I guess the cons about this show, like obviously, you know, you see those two names, you thought, you know, certified by them, but you know, maybe, maybe down the line we can get another one and Numa gets his win back more importantly. I thought it was going to be a new member for Voodoo Murders, not Tujizo, because the next show was Sawama teaming with X. And I was like, okay, this is going to be X, this is a new member, but X just turned out to be a condo. Which isn't a bad thing at all, but I'm just like, yeah. I thought they were going to introduce someone new. The way they revealed that was just classic. Like, I think Suwama, if I remember, probably pointed at him and said, like, he's X. And it's just like, what was the point of that? Like, I oh actually, my God. I had entirely forgotten that there was an X at all until you guys said that. I was like, oh, wait, that did happen. I totally like, forgot. Such a classic All Japan Suwama moment. Like, of, Suwama. Yeah. We had the World Tag Team title match next. Ashino and Honda defeated Twin Tails to become the new tag champs in 16 minutes. And before I say what I think, I want to hear Smiley's thoughts because I feel like these are his boys. Yeah, this was just so, so good. So good. So good. So good. Like, um, like a father and son team, basically. That's why it's like those two. But it's like the son's leading the father with, uh, you know, Honda, even Ashino, the glasses, stuff like that. And um, honestly, Ashino's like fighting spirit here was so so good. Like when um, I think it was was it Koi Sato or was it Ishikawa who's elbowing and it was just like all of a sudden he's like, ah, we're taking these titles from you whether you like it or don't like it. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. And the the finish where was the the, the muso and the the suplex so good. Like I didn't think of that. It's just yeah, I was happy that these that one you know, and um, 
I guess this is all like um, the full circle for Ashinor because obviously he was struggling at first, didn't find his footing, found him with Suwama. Suwama's you know, uh, backdropped him. Now, instead of him being led, he's the one leading of the future star for the titles. So, yeah, happy that my boys uh, have won it. Hopefully, they'll hold it for a long time. Forever, hopefully, hopefully, forever. Totally <laughs> <laughs> and and Smiley, I'm curious. Did you, like going into this? Were you optimistic about Ashino and Honda defeating two Twin Towers, or did you think there was like a chance that they were not going to win? I thought like 100 they were going to win, but it's like obviously during the matches, points are like, oh, sh- they're not going to not going to win at all, are they? Like, thank God they won. I was like, very, I was happy. <laughs> awesome. Molly's so happy. I don't want to say my thoughts. Jesse, no, give I, your, I, give your dissenting dying. opinion. We've been dying to know. Give no, your, no, give your controversial opinion. <laughs> okay. I don't agree with the result. I think Twin Towers is not retained. <laughs> oh! <laughs> I did not expect that one. I think the thing is, like, you know, I really like Ashina. I'm still getting there with Honda. I think he's great. But with me, I'm not 100% on board. I think they should have built the tag team up more. They just became a tag team, what, like less than a month ago? So I think maybe if they want to, like Budokan, after, you know, teaming up and getting a better tag team and um, having more double team moves or something, that could have been better than just winning at a Champions Night 4. Or even if you want to go further, have them win tag league and then have them win the belts. But this was a good match. I really liked it. I liked the sequence an exchange between Sato and Ashino that was like everything I ever wanted it was disgusting to hear the elbows but I thought it was great but I just didn't agree with the result I understand your, your train of thought though Jesse because we've talked about I can't remember if we talked about it on the show if we've all talked about it in private or not but we've talked about how weird it is that like we like Champions Night 3 wasn't really that long ago and like Honda was trying to literally kill Ashino and then we are here now <laughs> And they are like, like Smiley was saying, father and son tag team. And it's like that, that shift, that immediate shift with like almost no build because, and I think it's hard too, because like the reason for that lack of build is because like you had champion carnival in the middle. So there's like, there's nothing you can do to build really in that carnival because of the way the tournament is um, structured. So it's, it's kind of weird. And I'm still grappling with like some of that as well, but th- this match was important to me because we talked about in, in the last episode, um, we were all a little worried about Ashino not working with Evolution anymore and not in that sort of stuff, not progressing the way that we thought it was going to. So to me, this match was going to be a big tell from All Japan, one of a series of big tells that we're getting apparently in the next few weeks. To me, this match was if they put Ashino and Honda over Twin Towers, then we are going to be correct in our feeling that they are going to start prioritizing the younger guys and they are going to start prioritizing Ashino, which is very important to um, a lot of us on this call. So to me, like the outcome of this match was going to be like a real tell in that direction. And so when they went over, I was thrilled because I do think it is one of those tells and one of those confirmations that like that all Japan is ready to move in a certain direction with the booking. I could not have predicted that we were going to get another major tell so soon off the back of this tell. I'm actually more terrified for the next tell, but this was a step in 
the right direction. I think for the booking of All Japan, Twin Towers are great. Ishikawa is great. Kohei Sato is great. But this was this was just so exciting to see Ashino, like Somali was saying, step into this more um, leadership role to have Honda under him, which is such a great pairing in general. Like Honda will learn so much working directly with Ashino. And you can tell that despite the fact that we have not seen them work together very much, you know, in, in terms of the, the, how the shows have been and as, you know, as characters, whatever, they clearly are doing a lot of work together in the dojo. That to me looks kind of obvious from like how in sync that they are. And you you start to see more of this as the month goes on as well. So I think that that's really great. This was, you know, a hard hitting match. And I mean, Honda got the shit beat out of him for a good portion of this match. And I love that he is the type of wrestler who can just get the the brakes beaten off of him and then he'll get up and he'll look at you and he'll smile. That is fucking awesome. Honda is so cool. When they won, like Tachibana is like celebrating their win. Like if you watch him like um on the ringside, his like his excitement <laughs> and his joy at them winning, that is so awesome. It's so awesome to, to just have seen that. But I love this. And like I said, I, I thought that this win was like entirely significant and a really good step forward for all Japan, all Japan. And I do want to say too, that Honda did become the youngest tag champion in all Japan history in winning here, which is also really cool. So we have the youngest champion carnival winner and also the youngest um, tag champion all in the same year, which is um, really, really cool. Actually. I think it's a good talking point for all Japan this year. I think you said it really well. Um, I really liked Honda's uh, character going in very uh, confident and almost even cocky, just uh, walking in with so much swagger and then immediately getting the piss like beat out of him um, was just, it was really fun. He's, he looks really cool even while being um, the imperiled one as he gets that uh, hot tag for Ashino. But yeah, I am, I'm really here with Alicia on this one where um, I was unsure going into this match about them taking the tag belts off of Ashino only to almost immediately um, put them right back on him. And um, watching this, it was really the right call. It's really interesting to see the way the tone has changed with Ashino. Like he was definitely the star of runaway suplex. Like he was, but there was a different tone to that team where you have Suwama existing almost not necessarily as a crutch, but he was there to build Ashino up. And now with this tag team, that's not it anymore. It's like what Smiley said, where it's, you know, father, son, big brother, little brother, where you very much have Ashino as the star, the hot tag, and he's there to build Honda as well. So um, you really feel him now at the forefront of the company. And to use the crutch metaphor again, Suwama, the crutch fell away, but now Ashino's still standing and he's standing on his own now. And you can really feel that. And I thought that was just a really cool um, contrast between these two tag teams since their runs are so close together and they have the same person at that forefront. You can, it's going to be really interesting. Hopefully this reign lasts a good while so that we can compare those two runs. Cause I'm very excited to do that. I think that's going to be a really fun thing to, uh, to see and to experience and to see Ashino grow as a star of the company and then Honda to sort of grow underneath him. It's going to be really cool. One more thing, Ashina was wearing grills in this match. Yeah. <laughs> is, yeah. Is, is, am I just thinking this <laughs> yes. or is this real? No, in, in his post-match too, he had them yeah. in. Like he drives and that he 
he literally like refused to wear the sunglasses and then it was like the sunglasses to grills like that timeline <laughs> is incredibly short <laughs> it's so good i just want to say about the grill part i think at one point yeah we're gonna need honda no selling and nobody's shitty little grid we need the grills popping up just, just, just so we can get that and um <laughs> I also want to talk about, um, you know how, like, obviously you were right about the build-up part. There wasn't a lot of build-up to it. But I feel like this is probably going to be, like, another transitional reign. Like, I just with this weird feeling where, um, like, Alicia was mentioning the Saito brothers about uh, the All-Asia Tag Titans. But I think I have this weird feeling that at Budokan, there'll be those two going back and winning the Tag Titles because you have to remember they're not, I think they're, like, 36 years old. So, you know, you don't have a lot of time on their side. So um, you have to get the ball rolling. And I think that will lead to next year being uh, Arsenal's year. Like it was, like it's Huma's years this year and it was Jake's years last year. We'll keep our fingers crossed because I'd really like an Ashino year <laughs> to come up sooner rather than later. I think it will. I think Smiley's on to something. Suwama so, and Taro defeated Yuji Nagata and Dan Tamara in 11 minutes and 55 seconds. I think out of all the voodoo murders matches, this is pretty okay for them there was interference and crap like that but what do you expect there were some good moments between Suama, Dan and Nagata they had some good wrestling between them if only Taro disappeared and they got rid of the damn dog collar they put around Dan this would have been so much better Taro is like the oldest carniest guy at the haunted house attraction in your area but he has like the sickest gear (laughs) so there's that but he didn't like offend me in this match nearly as much as he usually does. So, I mean, that's probably the most positive thing I can say about his role in the match. The dog color stuff is weird. It's just not for me, but Dan did really, really well here. All things considered. I'm just hoping that this stuff is going to actually lead to like a big blow off match for him against Suama. Like, I think that would be the most satisfying thing is if Dan can really use this to build to a big match where he gets to go over his mentor in Suama. Like that would be, exciting I don't know we'll see I do like Hil Suwama a lot I've mentioned that before but like I, I really do think that this refresh to his character is important to a lot of things that are happening in all Japan so I wanted to highlight that here as well the only thing I did not appreciate him doing is like when he threw that barricade back into the ring Dan had no way to know where that was gonna land and he could have brained Dan with that barricade so that was not cool Suwama there was actually a show I can't remember what year or what show even when Suama was still part of evolution he was throwing chairs into the ring and one actually hit uh Hikaru Sato so I don't like him just chucking stuff into the ring it's really dangerous the voodoo murder scale this is like a five-star match you know as good as a voodoo murder match you can get that will become such a good like baby face like and the Harry can't complain one the best ever you know uh, seen him all fans quite nice he'll swarm the rules but like as, as you two are saying he's a bit dangerous but you know I think uh, swarm is a bit too much of a beast and you know can't really be handled in it well you know may, maybe next month maybe next month we'll see oh one thing we didn't mention was Dan bringing down the um onigiri and oh, it to yeah. that I like oh, I think Alicia was, so cool. was mixed on that one but I thought it was great <laughs> No, it's fine. Like, there's there's symbolism to that. So like, it's fine. I just like, uh, you know. It was evolution's rice. 
he worked hard oh. on that for Suwaba. No, I, I thought it was really cute. I, I enjoyed that um, a lot. Dan and Nagata are also really cute together. Dan is just the world's most adoptable son. Like he has so many dads and I'm so proud of him. Um, but-, but does anyone feel like Nagata actually like, <laughs> I, I'd be interested to see what you think, Smiley. Like, does anyone actually think that Nagata, like when he's there in the ring, like this, he doesn't often like, like really help Dan. No, <laughs> like he, he kind of just stands there and like stares at him. <laughs> so- yeah. He's not a good dad. Yeah. He's just a dad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I forgot to mention uh, the post match where you know when Dan had the the rice in his mouth and swam malaria, hit him with the lariat. That was so cool. <laughs> that was so cool. It's like he literally does not give a shit about him anymore. It's like he's dead to him. I think even even if he doesn't go over him in a uh, blow off match, I think it would be good to have that match and maybe like Dan can finally pull the voodoo murder out of Suwama's soul. I don't know. I, I would just, I would like to see it come down to those two. I think that's where the booking is going or at least should be going. So fingers crossed. It might even be set up as a tag match. Like we don't know who the, the players will wind up all being when they set that up. But I, like, I have to imagine that this is going to end with Dan being able to pin Suwama because otherwise, why do they make nice. Dan go through this? I'm going to say something. I don't think a lot of people are going to like it. But Dan's gone through Sato, he's gone through Ashino, now he's gone with Nagata. He needs to bring back his best friend, Abdullah Kobayashi. Oh, for sure. Hey. <laughs> oh, for sure. Uh, I, I, I'm not against that. Like, Suwama was so against their friendship, and now Suwama's, you know, going back to the voodoo murders. Bring back Kobayashi, give him, like, a death match. Why not? In some ways, I would like that more, because I feel like Kobayashi would, like, get involved when Dan is being hurt. Whereas like Nagata will just stand there. <laughs> He's not going to come in and help Dan. So I think that that would be fine to bring Kobayashi back in. Kobayashi and Dan came to the ring holding hands. Nagata will never do that to oh, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> in the main event of Champions Night 4, Jake Lee defeated Kento Miyahara to win the Triple Crown Championship for the second time in his career. I absolutely loved this match so much. I thought it was the perfect way to end the Jake Kento feud. I love the callbacks to the other match. Kento throwing lariats, Jake bringing back the bow taunt and biting of the rope so Kento couldn't hit the shutdown suplex. This match was just under 30 minutes and they packed so much into it. And one note I want to make in this match is Hayato was in Kento's corner, but nobody was in Jake's corner. And usually Amore is in Jake's corner, but not today. I noted that too, Jesse. And like, it's interesting because Jake for a minute was coming out and not wearing his total eclipse gear the past several weeks. And then all of a sudden for this match, he was in the total eclipse gear, which I thought was really interesting, but then no one from total eclipse was in his corner for this match. So I thought that that was really interesting and it made me feel like things are, um, things are not resolved there either, but I want to talk about a couple of things. In regards to this match, I want to talk about a series of tweets. There's a lot of like really important tweets for this match. And then there's some for at the end of the month that I want to talk about too. But I also want to say too, for the record that I did not believe that. And I think this like, we were all pretty consistent about this coming into this match. I don't think any of us actually believe that Jake was going to win. Um, we all thought that Kento was gonna, yeah, we all thought Kento was going over and um, we had a very different idea of how this was going to work out for the Budokan. We all wanted Yuma and um, Kento with the Budokan. But 
I am glad that I was wrong. I've actually never been happier to be wrong. So there is that. But the tweets that I want to reference, the build to this match was interesting on social media. Both Jake and Kento started saying that this was going to be their final championship match. And Jake tweeted on June 15th, this is the last title match between me and Kento Miyahara. There will be no next time. And I thought that was really interesting, um, but didn't necessarily make me feel like he was going to win. And then on the 16th, Jake tweeted, he, meaning Kento, became the best when I stood next to him and fought with him and when I left him and confronted him. However, I believe that Kento Miyahara is in the process of becoming the best and is not the best yet. And I loved that because that was such a direct reference to their start in Next Dream together. And Jake just has this perfect understanding of his role in their rivalry. And I loved the way that he uses Kento's best of the best against him there. It was just such a good tweet and a good way to build to this match. And then he had two tweets on the 18th um, or like it was the 18th and the 19th because of the time difference. But the first was tomorrow one story will end. And then the one that he tweeted last was now let's do what needs to be done. So there was just such intensity going into this match and there was no way this build was going to miss, but I just loved all of this. Like they both really set the tone in the way that they, they carried this build. So I was super excited going into this main, the VTR was incredible. I was super emotional mm-hmm seeing all the old footage that they chose and that's the first time where I was like holy shit Jake might actually win like because I, I just could not imagine that after they played something like that that Kento was going to retain there but I was like just blown away and we had no Wada in the main event again which was really sad but also I think probably necessary, but that's, that's why it's so sad. I think he's starting to be moved down the car, just like Noah has done with Shunishinaga. So it's important to note, even though like, it's just really, really strange that Wada might not be doing the triple crown matches and main event stuff like that. So anyway, the, I wanted to note that the arena for this was so silent and intense at the start of this match, like that kind of like silent that goes beyond just like the COVID protocol silent there's like a difference. So that was, it was crazy how intense the crowd was for this. And I really loved this match in general. This was just a great match. It's a great match within their series. Jake's palpable anger really came across in this for me and was fantastic. He had Kento well-scouted and really Kento had him well-scouted too. And that really speaks to how long they've been doing this together. I don't have to rant about the moonsault for very long this time, which is really good because this was probably Jake's best one. It did land better. It looked a lot better than his previous one. So there is that. The sequence where they traded knees looked great. There was an excellent transition to the RNC from Jake. Like Jesse noted, biting the rope with his teeth to stop the shutdown suplex. That was fucking cool. And that incredible ending stretch and that audible like pop from the crowd on the pin was just incredible. But I love this. I mean, I'm still like, I'm still blown away that Jake won. I couldn't believe it. I do think it's so important to keep in mind that um, I've, I saw such interesting reactions to this online. I think it's so important to keep in mind that we have gotten closure to a very long story that has played out between two people in this company. And this is a company that's not always been able to give us closure to these type of stories for a variety of reasons. And yeah, like, we're not going to get Kento and you at the Budokan, but I don't know. Like, I feel like Jake was kind of in a damned if he, if he does damned, if he doesn't sort of position here, like we're, we're not removed that far removed from Jake and Kento's 60 minute draw. Everyone on Twitter complained when, when that went to a draw and said like, Jake's never going to win against Kento in a triple crown match. And we're never going to see a resolution, but we got it here. And I mean, like this story is sort of incredible because they've been 
telling it now since probably about June 2015, really, when you count it all in all, it's 13 singles matches. So there's been so many derailments because of Jake's injuries and the booking not being behind him. And we wound up getting a perfect, in my mind, perfect ending to their story together. And I think that's sort of um, remarkable. So I've been really happy with that. And um, I'll just end on saying, sorry, there's a lot of notes for this, but I'm very emotional about these two guys. So I apologize. But there's an article that I've tweeted out recently about Jake that came out in like 2016. He was like a year into being back to all Japan from when he left in 2011 and then came back. It's a really fascinating article. He talks a lot about why he left and how it broke his heart. He didn't, you know, he just was very lost. And there's, it's interesting to sit with like, this is someone who wasn't going to be a professional wrestler for a good period of his life. Like he was done. And then he came back because he knew he'd regret it if he didn't. So it's just remarkable to kind of reflect on like that journey for him and then where he was when he won champion carnival last year and how like just devastated he looked because he just, there was something wrong. And then a year later, this is where he is now and just how happy he looked. So I think that's wholly significant and important. So yeah, still really surprised that this happened this way and couldn't have predicted it, but really have had, again, really happy to have been wrong. Okay, I don't know about you lot, but I watched it live and obviously based on the result from the Corican Hall show, I thought that Jake had no chance whatsoever. And when he won, like I didn't expect the match saying that quickly either. When he won, I was like, holy shit. I ended up breaking my mom up as well and she was on a night shift. So I was like, oh, I don't know, I might be in big trouble. But yeah, um, so obviously, like I didn't expect the match to end there then, so I had to watch it later on. But it was such a good match. Like um, the callbacks... Just the lariats, Kento's lariats, he needs to start making those a permanent thing. And um, like I'll say one thing I don't like about Jacobs and is his elbows, but then it was this one just sharp elbow that he did was so good. And um, yeah, I'm happy he won because um, like he was very lucky with the way he lost like the triple crown and stuff like that. Like it uh, should have never ended it like that. So I'm happy he gets to um, you know carry on that story and be the top guy and having finally beat Miyahara. So it's like now, it wasn't always, oh, can he beat me, Kento Miyahara? It's just now, like, he's certified the top top guy alongside him. Yeah, so those are my thoughts, basically. I'm happy for him as well. Just um, well, from a fashion sense, he just needs to get rid of the top knot and bring back last year's hairstyle because that was the looks. <laughs> Love a fashion note. <laughs> yeah, I, I honestly just thought this match was perfect. I thought it was just perfectly executed. Um, very dramatic, just really well done. Um, I screamed when he bit the rope. Um, that was just everything I had ever wanted in a match and I never knew I had wanted it. So thank you, Mr. Mr. Jake Lee. Um, I have thought about it nonstop now. I just wanted to really, um, do a little shout out to the pacing. I thought um, if you guys haven't seen this match yet, it um, it flies right by. It does not feel like an almost 30 minute match. Um, they're just masters of timing and pacing, especially Kento. Um, I thought this really showed off his strength in knowing how to space out a match. Um, so if you sort of think, well, I don't know, I don't really have, you know, time to sit down and, and watch this out. No, it, it really uh, grabs you and just keeps keeps going and keeps the hits coming and it escalates really well. Like I just, on a, uh, a boring wrestling fan work rate uh, level, I just thought this was a perfect match. And then the storytelling was just impeccable, um, which 
Alicia just spoke to beautifully there. So I have really nothing to add. Uh, I just want to mention stuff that happened after the match. The moment between Kenta Kobashi and Jake was just perfect. <laughs> it was just like, I want to know what was said, yeah. but I know, you know it's going to keep them. It was the secret thing, but it was just so nice to see that and just how, I don't know, just how happy Jake was. And what he said to Kenta on the mic was like, thank you. And that Jake is what he is now, thanks to Kento. And that's just like, oh my God, my heart. Like, I can't take these two. <laughs> Nothing better in this world than rivals who make each other better. Like, that's just it. That is, that's the essence. After the match, Sawama came out and challenged Jake. Day four was on the 25th of June. In the opener, Hikaru Sato defeated Rui Inoue in six minutes. Izanagi and Black Mento Ray wrestled to a 10-minute draw. The tag champs faced off against the world tag team champs, Shino and Honda versus Amorai and Kodama. This was actually longer than their title match at Champions Night 4, going for 17 and a half minutes. It was a good little tag match, but a very interesting ending with Ashino and his, like, you know, secret words to Kodama. So we have to see what's going on there. Smiley, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think we all know what's gonna happen. I think we all know what's gonna happen. Obviously, uh, no, it's pretty evident that Photo Eclipse is gonna disband soon. So, uh, who better to pair Kodama with than Ashino? And also, you have to remember, like, I think it was Omori. He was like, like telling Ashino to do go away. Like, you gotta remember that he was the one that started the betrayal, not Kodama. You know, Kodama hit the uh, the, the most hurt, hurting blow. But yeah, uh, hopefully, obviously, that would just show that maybe. Well, they're going from total eclipse to the new Alphonse, so yeah, so yeah, that, that would be good for Todd as well. Because, um, in like total eclipse, he's sort of like the second junior, I guess, like more the spotlight's more on um, Omori because he's an old Japan guy. But hopefully, as part of this new unit, um, he can have more spotlight on him, and obviously, maybe even ch- uh, team with the uh, Tachibana and maybe challenge for the all Asia tag titles later on, whenever that may be. Yeah, I think that's the big uh, the big storyline here, the big intrigue of the match. I, I love this match for a lot of reasons. I thought that all four competitors were just having a lot of fun against each other. Like you could just tell that they were really enjoying fighting both, you know, with each other and against each other. Uh, it was a, just a really good vibe. Um, just it made me want to be in that arena watching the match, just hanging out. Uh, it was just a really, really good one. Um Honda and Ashino, we've talked about their teamwork all month. Um, it was just really insane. I um, really love that finishing sequence with Ashino holding the ankle lock and then Honda just uh, pummeling Amori right over him. Uh, it's just really well practiced. I thought it was really fun. But yeah, it's it's definitely comes down to uh, Kodama now, doesn't it? Uh, it's very interesting. I love that um, Amori seemed to sense the danger there and just went straight for uh Ashino trying to break that up. Um, he's almost sort of becoming a little bit of a victim here as uh, as this unit just falls apart around him. It's, it makes him very compelling. It makes you wonder what's going to happen with Amori. It's, it's just very interesting that he's uh, sensing these problems and wants to protect this partnership that he has. It's just... Uh, it was good. And the way that Ashino acted with uh, Kodami here was very similar to uh, the champion carnival way that he reacted um, after his match with Honda. So you just can't help but think like this is, this is, this is intentional. This is a thing. So uh, 
why don't you tell me what you have to say, Alicia? Because I remember you said something in a chat that made me cry. So what did I you say? Don't, you don't remember? No. Oh, no. oh <laughs> my God. No, you, you said that they might have been waiting for Kodama to join to uh, name the group Enfants again. It's oh, not, yeah. Yeah, it's not like Enfants they, without the two of them. They're not going to move on doing Enfants stuff until like they actually get Kodama and potentially other people back because I really like, I don't, think total eclipse is long for this world i like i really don't think they're gonna make it because we'll we'll get into it a little bit later in this card but there is some very interesting backstage photos that were taken with yuma jake and um atsuki and i can't imagine that with jake like being so friendly with them and and going off and, and doing that with them like omori was immediately pissed when Honda rocked up and wanted to join Total Eclipse was immediately like, no, Honda's a bitch. I don't want him in Total Eclipse and was, <laughs> was, was pissed. So I can't, I mm. cannot imagine that Omori doesn't have some strong opinions about Jake going off and, and doing this other stuff with Yuma and Atsuki of all people. And now he's got Kodama having these very friendly moments with Ashino and they're not supposed to like Ashino. Like that's like, this is all like leading towards totally clips, like falling apart. And the only person that's going to end up not having a place to go really seemingly would be Omori, but next stream needs new members. There is that. The Voodoo Murders team of Suji Kondo and Suwama defeated Dan Tamora and Yuji Nagata in 12 and a half minutes. For the crowd was a good crowd and they reacted for Dan like he was like a big baby face and that's cool because I think Dan definitely needs that at this point. Suama and Kondo are a great tag team so always going to enjoy that pairing and Dan did a really good, a great job of this. He's definitely risen to the occasion with this program all things considered and getting back up after like Suama's big lariat was a really great moment for him and because like he was able to get up and he had like the Suama selling because he's such a student of Suama like, I'm really hoping that that yeah. stuff is like, I hope that again, like we were talking about before, I really hope that like him being able to do that in this match is point towards him getting some sort of blow off match in the future with Suama. So we can end that story on the note of him being able to like go over Suama because he's withstanding Suama now, even though he got pinned later on. Yeah, I don't have any real notes on this match. I thought it was good. I liked, uh, I like Kondo. I like Kondo a lot. I thought he looked really good. Suwama will talk in just a little bit about um, the significance of his heel work, but he looked very threatening. Um, I like the storyline. I think this was the point where I sort of was just kind of less upset that Dan was getting beat up constantly. And now I'm just sort of getting into watching Dan grow and get stronger and hopefully beat back the bullies um someday and he he looks very good I'm very proud of him so hopefully the storyline is just nice and neat and concise if they can just keep to the keep to uh the path that they're walking then it will be a really really good thing for Dan uh I'd say this is a, this is an okay match I'd say it's more about the finish where you know Dan tomorrow is doing the Suama hulking up and stuff and then the Suama is obliterating with the lariat so yeah it's cool he's a uh, He's become a better baby face over time, which is something like he was lacking for the past few years and something that will set him apart from like his generation of Omori Atsuki and himself. In the main event, Jake Lee, Yuma and Asuki defeated Kento, Hayato and Shiro Koshinaka in almost a 21-minute match. I can only describe this as a very chaotic entertainment match. 
It was crazy, but so much fun. Yuma and Shiro continue their butt rivalry from Champions Night 2. I know that sounds weird, but please watch that match so that makes sense. (laughs) Everybody is fighting everywhere around the ring. People getting thrown into chairs. Yuma trying to help fix the chairs before remembering he's wrestling. Kento and Asuki in the face to break up a pin. Kento perched on the ring corner like a bird. In the end, I think Hayato was a real star here. He looked great in defeat, but this match was just insane. I loved Atsuki with that early 2000s Marafuji swagger when he was bouncing off the ropes into a flip. He does that like a lot, but like he he has that like that kind of cool confidence and that move early move set of like an early 2000s Marafuji a little bit. So like kind of made me smile. Super surreal to watch Yuma and Atsuki walk out to Jake's theme, like new triple crown champion Jake Lee. That was really weird. Super weird, but super cool. Jake working with Hayato was really cool. He gets to do like, he doesn't really do a lot of like, he doesn't, he doesn't do a lot of big man stuff because he doesn't try to be a big man wrestler on purpose, but he does a lot of big man stuff with Hayato and it looks good because Hayato is so much smaller than him. Yuma getting like Wada involved in certain stuff on this was really funny too. And the, the like the comedy between Hayato and Kento and their relationship kind of being what it is right now is, is was really funny as well. Like I think Hayato slapped Kento on the head in this one. So they just have really interesting mm-hmm. energy. Yeah, I think I just really liked the, um, like Hayato and Jake towards the end when they were doing a lot of work together and like Hayato was like doing a lot of like kicking out. Like that was like a really interesting sequence. And I just liked that they had a lot of time to work together. I thought that was probably one of the cooler parts of this tag for me. But yeah, just just a cool, fun match. Like this, like there were some really like fun matches on this tour, and this was definitely one of them. So on another note, please go watch the backstage promo for this match. It's on YouTube, and Yuma does a spot on Suwama impression. It made me laugh so much. It is so funny. And if you know how Suwama talks, especially in the ring, this is like a hundred percent spot on. I'm gonna watch that the second I end the session. <laughs> I I have not seen that. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) The last day of the tour was day five on the 26th of June. Asuki and Sato opened the show and they wrestled to a 10-minute draw. I like this match very much, but it did make me a bit sad to think what we could have had with these two. It gave Asuki a path to challenge, but, of course, that's not going to happen now. I was surprised by the draw. When I saw this got booked, I was like, oh, it's obvious that they'll have Asuki go over Sato. This paves the way for Asuki to be the obvious challenger moving forward. And as we head towards the path of the Budokan, didn't happen that way. And they drew here. But I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. I, I do like this as like a continuation of their story together. I've talked about it multiple times, but I really loved that February match between these two that set up Sato to challenge Sugi. So I didn't actually thought that that match from February was better than this match, but I still really like this match. I really like them working together. And I agree with Jesse. I mean, it's just kind of like a, well, we could have literally had them doing this like for the title and totally different circumstances, but it is what it is, but still, still a good match and still worth watching. Yeah. I also had written down that I uh, preferred the February match, but uh, I did think this was a nice little sprint. I was very surprised at the draw till Alicia sort of, 
brought up that it just sort of makes sense to uh, work Atsuki up there in stages and get him to the point where uh, he'll challenge the Budokan. And I, I really hope for that. And uh, upon thinking of it that way, I definitely uh, felt the result a little bit more. I was more just, I was sort of just surprised that uh, the draw was, was the result at all. I think it should have been a little more decisive in either direction. So uh, we will see. Um, yeah, this was a good match. I haven't watched the February match, but this was a very, very good match because um, I love my mat work. So like, the first five minutes was just mat work. And obviously, you know, with Atsuki, he's uh, known for his high flying. So, you know, in a match like this, he just shows that he's not a one-trick pony. Obviously, it helps being in the ring with someone like Sato. So, um, happy. I'm kind of happy with the result as well because, you know, I don't want Atsuki challenging before the Budokan at all because, you know, you never know with what might happen. So, just in case, like, I'd rather... Then, like, sort of stall it until then. And if this is one of the ways you can do it, then so be it. One thing I'll be thinking about, they haven't announced Junior Battle of Glory yet. Mm. And I think they usually have it around this time. So maybe they're going to put that closer to the Budokan. So whoever wins that goes on to challenge. But that's just my thinking about that. Isn't it uh, the Royal Road Tournament next? I think that's open way anyway. So, you know, something could happen in there. Yoshitatsu and Issa 8 defeated Takao Amore and Ryu Inoue. Ashino and Honda defeated Suji Ishikawa and Ren Ayabe. And I love Suji and Ayabe in the ring with their towels that just say, we are big. <laughs> They're good. <laughs> I thought this was a fun match. I, yeah. I really like this. Yeah, this yeah I love this match. Yeah, definitely less compelling than the last uh, Ashino-Honda match, but uh, I thought it was fantastic. It's just, uh, they're a really great tag team. And then uh, Ayabe and Ishikawa are just really fun together. It's very just fun to see the giant and the baby giant um, sort of working together. I, I really, I liked it. I thought it was a very good little, good little match. I think it's a giant and like the grandpa giant because Ayabe yeah, is taller than Suji. He's, yeah. he's more of a full grown giant at this point. Yeah. yeah. I just want to say the best part of this match was when um, Ashnon uh, Ren Ayabe was like trying to like, you know, lock up and then Ayabe was singing yeah. and then uh, Ashnon, Ashnon took him to the corner and then, then they got the thingies. Yeah, that was the best part. That was awesome. Yeah, it's just like another match where Honda is happy to take a beating and smile about it. So you're not going to get a bad match out of that. <laughs> In the All Asia Tag Team Title match, Total Eclipse, Omori and Kadama defeated Izanagi and Black Mentor Ray. This little All Junior Tag match really came out of nowhere, and I think it exceeded my expectations. I thought this was good. I really had fun watching this. Izanagi taking that sick bump on the ring apron in the first couple minutes was so nasty to watch. Uh, Menso Regan, the hot tag, was fun. And then his chop eye poke to Kadama in the corner while saying Shah just made me laugh. And I absolutely <laughs> love the double missile drop kick that Menso Regan and Izanagi had when they had their arms around each other. Yeah. That was so good. This was a really solid match. I mean, um, for everything that Jesse mentioned that Menso Ray and Izanagi did, I mean, they had some really good spots in this. I love that Amori just continues to show how truly good he's getting with each defense of these belts. Him being the one to finish a lot of these matches is great. He does it with some real flair and confidence now. He just looks like a really solid wrestler and it's awesome. So yeah, just really, really enjoyed it. Really solid wrestling. Dan Tamara and Yuji Nagata defeated Kento and Hayato in 13 and a half minutes. I think it was cool to see Kento and Nagata wrestling, but this match really belonged to the juniors. Dan and Hayato were on another level with both men desperate for a win. A funny moment 
with Kento sliding under Wada's hand to stop him from counting instead of breaking up the pin like a normal person would. <laughs> and this led to Wada helping the guy oh, yeah. kicking Kento out of the ring. Oh, that was so funny. <laughs> Possibly one of the most Kento-esque matches I've ever seen. I'm going to quote Captain Lou again. Ken- Captain Lou said that Kento was on one during this match and he was like <laughs> absolutely... <laughs> correct this was so good like kento seemed to be stoked to be in there with nagata so there was like good energy from that wada like helping kick kento out for nagata was like truly a sight to see i just loved that and then it is so extremely kento also to go back to the beginning of the match for him to continue to shove hayato out of the ring even though 50 percent of their members just walked out on them um so like kento will never change which is like kind of endearing in a way i guess but um oh yeah i was gonna say that Dan and Hayato were fucking awesome in this. Like their chemistry together came out of like seemingly nowhere. And I think this just speaks to like the last couple um, episodes of Talking Triple Crown that we've done. I've said like Dan doesn't benefit from never getting to work with his peers. He's always working with the older guys. He never gets to work with his peers, blah, blah, blah. But like he, him and Hayato were just awesome together. And poor Hayato, like having to take the, the pin on this, but like Dan had such a good showing here and how he was able to finish Hayato. And I thought that was good for Dan. Like he's going to need the momentum going into his junior belt challenge. So that was great. And um, I loved everything with Nagata and Kento. Like that was super fun. I had to look it up, but they've only had one singles match and that was in Noah's 2012 global league and Kento lost then. So it would actually be kind of nice to see them in a singles match today. Cause you'd really be getting a completely different Kento. Yeah, this match was almost enough to get me to want to see Dan with the belt. Um, Like, I I thought that it would just uh, be really interesting. I definitely was thinking about what you were saying, um, Alicia, from the last episode of how he needs to be working with his peers more because uh, their chemistry was just insane. Like, they were on fire. And it was just, yeah, it was was a really good time. Like, everyone is another match where the vibe was just really good. Everyone just seemed like they were having a lot of fun in the ring together. Um, so yeah, I, I really, I thought this was a really good match. And like I said, probably the most Kento-esque match I've ever seen. So him uh, just being peak himself. Yeah, this match was uh, probably match of the night for me. You know, it was a nice thing, uh, Kento against Nagata, I guess, uh, you know, uh, obviously like Alicia mentioned, it hasn't happened since 2012. Obviously Kento's probably a bit on top about it, you know, facing an interview wrestler, a legend like Yuji Nagata. Uh, it was very good. And like the, the what was it the pinfall break? That was so, so funny. I remember. I was so crying after that. I was, I think I had to pause the match for a bit just because of how funny it was and like unique it was. And uh, to go on to the finish, like, uh, like as I've been saying, like throughout this whole podcast, like Dan Tomorrow's looked so good this month and you know, things are starting to come together. And if like Yuji Nagata is a bit of a, like a permanent state, I wouldn't be surprised if those two challenge for those old Asia tags, which are. I think I've probably said about every other team uh, on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and in the main event, we had Suwama and Suji Kondo defeat Jake Lee and Yuma. Oh, this match. This yeah. match has um, not left my brain since I watched it. God, Suwama and Jake, man, they're like filled with hatred for each other. And it came across in that opening exchange. That got intense very quickly. They started to choke each other. And I do want to note that Yuma's face in the background of that, like when like that quick cut, like over or like pan rather to Yuma, you can see his face for a second. His mouth is just open, be like in like shock. 
that was funny but like that moment between Suama and Jake wasn't funny that wasn't funny at all that was actually kind of scary in the moment but that was really intense and I thought that Jake's facial expressions were haunting there's so much history between them and like Suama always gets something out of Jake that is different and that is unique so I'm not surprised that we're seeing this but this is why Suama like uh, we, we I mean voodoo murders like every, we're going to talk about voodoo murders in a minute because we have to answer 19 questions I think about voodoo murders in a second but like <laughs> um like voodoo murders we can talk about like why it was good or why it was bad that they brought them back and like whatever but Suama becoming this type of heel is critical because when he does that he's going to it's it's shifting all of these different people in all Japan around him. It's 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 critically important, and one of those shifts is going to be in Jake Lee. Um, you're going to see this the shift in Jake Lee's character. You're going to see him. Like Jake Lee is is quickly not becoming a he's not a heel anymore. He's quickly becoming something else. We're we're moving away from that part of Jake Lee's character into something else, and you can only get that if he has to go up against someone like Suama and Suama in this role. We you wouldn't get that from Suama if he was like Suama the way that he's always been or he's been for a while as you know part of evolution and his sort of stock character so so to speak so this is really important and this really could be the program that like we and they kind of deserved last year but wasn't possible with Suama getting and recovering from COVID and the intensity has increased because of Suama turning heel and so I'm really like I'm very excited about this however it's just uh it's all very scary, obviously, because they're going to go into this triple crown championship match on July 14th. And we don't know like what the outcome of that is going to be. And again, like I was talking before about tells all Japan and these big tells coming up, and this is going to be the next big tell um, about the direction of the company. If they flip it back onto Suwama, we're going to be seeing some, you know, historical preference to uh, panic and give the belt back to people who you know, have historically carried the company and what have you, or are they going to um, to keep it on Jake Lee and, and let the younger guys start to lead the company forward? So that part of it is really scary. However, I thought that this match really worked because you had Jake um, looking like a total hero because you have Yuma as like this baby face in peril and Jake is reacting to all of this on the apron and getting like intense and screaming for Yuma. And the, like the crowd like reacted to all of this, like Jake was like a big hero. And it's interesting to see Jake in that role right now, especially because we don't have any resolution to what total eclipse is at the moment. But the crowd bit into everything that happened in this match. They bit into all the stuff that Yuma was doing um, and that Jake was doing. So it, it worked and it was just very emotionally intense and like the emotions were palpable and, and the wrestling fucking rocked. It was super intense from start to finish and like really hard hitting. Such an interesting way to build into their, their singles match in July. And we still have more build to go. So it's crazy that there's like more to go even after a match like that. But yeah, just super intense. Yeah, you said it all. I wrote down that um, Jake looked like a prince here, like just a true hero, um, almost like a folk hero kind of uh, character. And um, I really, I loved it. I was very um, compelled. I liked the story of, um, you know, he was previously sort of the top heel, top bad guy. And now he's finding this uh, heroism in himself because of um, his, you know, rekindled friendship with Yuma. And then he has to take down the bigger, badder, bastard man. And uh, Suwama was very evil here. So uh, it was, uh, it was just very classic. Um, like I said, almost a folk hero kind of story. And I just, I really liked it. And Jake just looked very heroic. And 
um, had me clutching my chest a little bit, fanning myself. He's just so princely um, and just had so much hatred and, you know, uh, fire in his heart. That was something I really liked to see. Yeah, this was a good match. Um, I'd say, like, the Suava Jake Lee stuff was very, very intense. Like, not something you see a lot of in all Japan, so it's a nice change. And I think it's, like, a good sort of progress to where Jake Lee's at. Like, I would say when he returned, he was a bit, like, lost. And I'd say this month he's found his footing. And especially, like, in this match, in the tag match, he showed a bit more um, like emotion, which he's been lacking for a long time. Like, that's him from being a top, top guy in some people's eyes. Like, uh, you can just tell, like, he cared about the match and the result, even though, you know, we know it's a pre-determined, but it's, like, one of those where, you know, he's not going to, like, let the cheating and stuff stand. Like, uh, for example, when Yuma tagged him in and the referee was uh, didn't see it, you could be pissed off that um, it didn't count. So it's, like, those little things, that's what's changing him. And like, I think this role of, like, I guess, like, anti-hero, I guess, like, fits mm-hmm. him more than being uh, the top heel. So now we move on to June moments. Ryoma Sukumoto, who was scheduled to return on the 14th of July, has his return cancelled due to re-injuring his leg. We hope he will return soon. He has wrestled only 15 matches, but what we've seen of him has been very impressive. And I just want to quickly touch on Suama's press conference fashion report because now that he's in Voodoo Murders, he's finally given up that same suit he always wears. No tie, two buns undone. Now he's wearing like, you know... Big party animal, Hawaiian shirts, Dalmatian print shirts. I love mm. Suama, Voodoo Murder fashion. Like, <laughs> I need more Huge of it. Huge improvement. Oh, yes. What makes me laugh a lot is that I have a lot of old magazines. And in a lot of those old magazines, like the early 2000s ones, there's like ads for the type of like necklaces that Suama wears. And <laughs> So when I see that stuff, when I see that stuff, I think of the ads in my my two thousand and like three. Incredible! Oh, classic old man wear, but he pulls it off. He pulls it off. So Atsuki, Jake, Yuma, and Kento all have new shirts. All of them sold out immediately in almost every single size. They were restocked and now most sizes have sold out again, except for Kento shirt, which is actually pretty rare. So that is um, actually super cool. Yuma shirt was almost immediately sold out, uh, not even an hour after it was online. It was insane. It's a really good shirt. (laughs) Awesome shirt. And me and Jesse are not going to be able to get it because (laughs) All Japan's merch store is not up to par and it keeps selling out like immediately. And we alluded to this before, but after their tag on day four, um, Yuma, Jake, and Oski all took their own backstage photos of their little team. They look super cute. The best part is just how happy Jake looks. He's like interesting because like in these photos, like you can tell like that he's actually smiling. He looks like Jake before the total eclipse stuff. So it's just nice to note that. So you can look at those on Twitter. They're not on Jake's Twitter though. He only posted one in his Instagram stories because he's, you know, very careful about where he posts things like that because he's still technically playing a heel. Fortune Dream is back after a two-year absence. There were a number of All Japan wrestlers on the card. Takao Omori went back to his no-fear look with dyed blonde hair. Jake Lee and Hokuto Omori battled the Strongheart team of Shima and T-Hawk. In the main event, Yuma Oyagi, Dachi Hashimoto, and Katsu Sada Higuchi wrestled a 30-minute draw against Suji Ishikawa, Yuji Hino, and Dasuke Sukamoto. Jake Lee appeared in Plans Guard, taking on former Jin teammate Fumonori Abe. 
So what's upcoming in July? July marks the start of summer action series. The month is already full packed with title matches. The Corican Hall show is absolutely stacked. Yuma finally gets his go at Namora. All Asia title match, junior title match, and triple crown match is also advertised. Zeus returns for the Osaka show, while Nagata will stick around for the month. New tag champs Ashina and Honda have their first defense against Irie and T-Hawk. Now for the questions. Saki asks, I'm really curious about why the sudden all unit shifting is happening at such a breakneck pace. So I just want to thank Saki too for asking us a question that's based on like storyline point of view and not necessarily from like a backstage point of view and that sort of speculation. But we sort of alluded to this before, but with Suwama becoming, you know, heel Suwama again and going back to his voodoo murder roots, this is happening at such a breakneck pace because everyone on the, on the roster is now reacting to that shift and what Voodoo Murders has created for the roster. So you are going to see, you're seeing um, the way that it's it's made evolution sort of fall apart, but also like how, how Sato and Dan have started to have to like come together and defend themselves. You're going to start to see Jake Smiley put this best and that he has moved into this like purely anti-hero role and he's going to um, be reacting to that. And it's going to um, re- probably elevate Jake Lee and probably bring him to the next level as long as they decide to keep the belt on him. So that is, is what you're seeing. It's like, because of, of Suwama going back to his voodoo murder roots, you are starting to see everyone shift around that to, um, to rise, to meet him there and to stop him basically. Yeah. And going off of that, then you also have um, Ashino now no longer without his tag partner and he's uh, finding himself as well and going back a lot to his Anfant's roots. Uh, so he's almost echoing Suwama is sort of in that way where he's, um, reinventing, uninventing and reinventing himself. So that's also a direct result of Suwama wanting uh, this change for himself, which is just really cool. It's really cool to see this domino effect affect everyone. I mentioned earlier that Hokuto Omori, who has nothing to do with Suwama, really in the storyline is becoming one of the biggest victims because he's losing everything uh, slowly right now. So it's... um, can definitely be rooted back to voodoo murders and uh, and Suwama. So I think that's really cool. You have any thoughts on this, Smiley? No, I think you two similar. <laughs> We're very excited. I, I, I don't know. Like, uh, I would say, I would know how to answer it from a, like a cave perspective, I guess. Like, mine would have just been, obviously, because like the 50th year anniversary, you have to, like, create some buzz somehow. So that's why all these changes are being made. And it's just, like, shows that you keep up with every show you'll see why certain things happen. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it's all very tightly linked, which is really cool. Nothing is really wasted there. That's, and that's really cool. That's very cool to see. Hideki Suzuki's purple trunks asks, do you think the alliance between Jake and Yuma will lead to a faction? And what do you think the long-term story is for voodoo murders? I believe it will lead to a faction. I don't see why not, especially now the factions are changing and disbanding and all this stuff i definitely hope that it leads to a faction and i think because we saw like we've alluded to those photos and like we saw just like jake and and yuma were very like aligned in that final show at the end of this month too so i think this could potentially lead to a faction um i would like it to in terms of the long-term story for voodoo murders like we we talked about that on the show before I don't think there's anything more to voodoo murders, like anything more complicated than it's the 50th anniversary. They needed to bring in 
what they would consider a nostalgia act, they brought it in. I, and like, I, like, Smiley, maybe you can speak to this if you follow certain people, like Japanese fans. I've had a hard time figuring out what the general feel is in Japan, like from Japanese, all Japan fans, like how they feel about voodoo murders. If this is like a positive, seen as a positive move or a negative move. But I don't think there's anything more complicated to the story of voodoo murders being that like they're here because of the um, the need for a nostalgia act in the 50th anniversary year, whether we like it or not. Voodoo murders is a huge part of like the fabric of 2000s all Japan. Like they were a huge part of storylines and of um, things that were moved forward because of them. So in terms of like the long-term story, like they're going to take it into the, I would imagine they're going to take it into the Budokan. We're getting a show now the day after the Budokan, which kind of almost resembles like, it almost feels like a New Year's Dash type of show, even though we're like, we're not close to New Year's <laughs> at all. Like I would imagine that we're going to get WrestleMania and then like the raw after WrestleMania. <laughs> we're going to get like another reset, I think at that, like, I think it's at Corican. Am I, am I right, Smiley? Is that a show at Corican? Yeah, yeah, it's at Corican. Yeah. yeah. I think we're going to get another reset at that Corican show. And I think that like, I don't know, like I could be wrong. Sometimes I'm wrong and I'm fine with being wrong. But like, I just, I think that Voodoo Merge will probably be like, it'll kind of peter out by the time the, the Budokan comes around. It'll like the tell there will be like what they do with like, Suama and Dan I don't know if there's necessarily going to be like this big long-term story payoff Alonzo Morning asks who do you envision being the next stable junior champ the next one to have a rather lengthy reign and it can be one of the youngsters such as Aski, Haito, Amore or Tamura I was gonna say I'm not 100% sure I thought Sato would be but since he got the belt taken off him I don't think so anymore. The stable champ All Japan used to have was Koji Iwamoto, and I think no one's actually stepped up to take his place yet. It probably will happen with Aski, but I think when he gets to the belt, that will be like a, a let's try it out, let's see how well he can hang with the other champions. I think actually Hokuto Amore would be a good anchor for the uh, junior division. He already holds a belt. He's held the six-man tag before he's older he's 27 I believe so as much as I want Aski to have it for like an anchor for the junior division I think Omore would be a little bit better but that's just what I think yeah I mean I'd love to see Atsuki I know I've been saying that all episode I'd love to see Atsuki with the belt um but it it does come down to the question of who's going to be your stable uh champ who's going to be your ace that's the big one and I think Amori would be an interesting choice to play that ace role uh it just sort of depends on whether they're going to move him into a babyface role or keep him as a heel and how um that will affect the junior division because I could definitely see him um, moving over, moving over to next stream and taking on this ace role as a junior. And I think that would be fantastic for him, for sure. Smiley, what do you think? Uh, me, uh, obviously, I think the obvious answer is Asuki. Uh, like, all four of them are great, but like with Hayato, I don't think he's there. Sato's had it. Uh, all eyes on Atsuki. And I think with like Omori, I would say, I think, the feel, I feel like, I always feel like the plan with him is not to be the junior champion, he'll eventually move up to the heavyweights. And I think I'd rather him move up to the heavyweights now than, like, say, um, I don't know, say he's won, like, the junior title like, oh, three times in the past five years. I'd rather he... And then move to heavyweights. I'd rather he just did it now. Because, obviously, he's 27 as well. So, you know, he's going to be entering his prime soon. And, you know, 
he's a he's a he's a great talent. So if you want to get more eyes on him and and insert new faces in the triple crown picture, he'd be the perfect person. Yeah, uh, for the junior styles at Suki, for sure. Kizzy asks if you could add five people to all Japan right now, who would they be? My mind went straight for Ren Ayabe. Just sign him, even if he has a double contract with Just Tap Out and All Japan, <laughs> like Taito does. I also want to take the really easy option and say Nomura, <laughs> like bring him back, sign him full time. Um, and also, I don't know why my mind went to Noah, and it went sign the young guys who Noah isn't using properly because mm-hmm. all Japan's like what you tweeted out the other day, Rachel, what Keno said. Oh yeah. About, yeah. yeah. He, um, I'm very interested to read that article because it seems he had some interesting things to say about Jake. So uh, maybe next month I'll uh, have a Keno report for you guys. Uh, but he's, he was very high on Jake's uh, reign. So Noah isn't really moving forward and um, all Japan is definitely looking to use a lot of their young guys. Uh, Alicia was talking about those tells. So it would be really cool to see uh, some of their rookies come on over to All Japan. I definitely can agree. And the last one I had, I was trying to think of like a wrestler from every promotion. So I went to Dragon Gate and I picked um, KZ. Just, I really like him and I miss watching him in Dragon Gate. I don't have the (laughs) network anymore, but he was Mm -hmm. one of my favorites. And everyone's waiting on KZ time. Get him to (laughs) All Japan. He's not going to have a triple crown KZ time. He'll have the junior championship KZ time, but at least he'll have a belt. It'll still be a KZ time. Yeah. What say you, Smiley? Do you have someone from Dragon Gate you'd bring over? Yeah, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> uh, uh, I made a tweet about him. So if I had to bring up anyone from Dragon Gate, it'd have to be Ben Kane because they're basically doing nothing with him. And I feel like he would fit in all the time very well. Even if he's like, he works the fastest side, I feel like, um, like, his power moves and stuff like that. Like, imagine him trying to like got wrench power bombs to arm. Like, that'd be like so, so, like such a cool thing to see. And even, or oh, Ishikawa, I said, um, like Ren Ayabe. So Ren Ayabe, uh, Benke, uh, Nomura. Uh, fourth one, I would say um, Akiyama. Bring it back any day. Just because like, he's got that, obviously he's, it's just that old, old Japan feeling like his, his old Japan was the closest we got to like the 90s old Japan back in the like a vibes kind of thing. And fifth one, ooh, fifth one. This is a good question though. So it's a hard one. Uh, fifth one, I would say um, Yuji Hino. Yuji Hino would be my fifth mm. one. I'd say all Japan's missing someone who's just like chops the hell out of people. And like, mm. after when I watched the uh, Zero One show from Rio Goku, like I miss seeing him wrestle because like, Watch the DT, yeah. I mean, you're just for the DT, I watch the DT, so it's like, and also, um, I don't think he like fulfilled his potential at AJPW. Not saying he has to be a triple crown champion, but I've seen him getting a couple of shots and maybe world type title shots. That'd be cool to see. Good choices. So, my picks. so, Alicia, you've answered this question a little bit last uh, month, and I can't imagine your answers have changed that much, but do you have someone you would like to add? <laughs> I, I think I was gonna say uh, I know I know your answer. <laughs> you probably know it better than me because I can't remember anything I tell you. Apparently, yeah, um, um, yeah. You mentioned <laughs> wanting uh, Watsuki Mizuki yeah, to I want, yeah, uh, yeah, move I over wanna, along with him. Nomura. Yeah, because yeah, I feel like if we get Nomura back full time, like you can't you can't break up Real Blood. So bring him in. That would be great. I think for the tag division in particular, Kotaro Suzuki always. But I'm like so boring. It's like get then bring back Yoshinobu Kanemaru. Like just bring back all the people that used to work for All Japan. You know. 
that's my core group really I don't really have anyone super interesting I like thinking about Hino in uh in all Japan that was a cool pick Smiley my answer is still Masaki to Mia five times so oh wait Kenya Okada <laughs> oh yes heck yes Kenya. Yeah, oh Kenya God. he's being wasted on Noah so it's he goes just all so Japan good now. so good Smiling Wizard wants to know would you rather have Jake retain and get the title reign he deserves or have Sawama win and then eventually drop it to Nagata, making him part of the Grand Slam game? This feels like a trap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's got to be it's got to be Jake retaining because like we were saying before, it's, it's about the tells. If Jake retains and they move forward with Jake, odds are going to be high. He'll be the Budokan champion. That's going to say a lot about what All Japan thinks of their younger guys and the stock they're putting into their younger champions so that's super important i like nagata a lot nagata nagata is still a great wrestler but there's nothing in me right now that wants to see like a quick transitional reign between like suama so that he can drop it to nagata just so nagata can get an accolade let's do that later we we, we gotta do other things that are more important now and moving all japan forward jake needs to have a proper reign he deserves it if Nagata wins this year, I'm just going to be so angry that in All Japan's 50th year, they're going to have someone come from an outside and win the bell. I think just let Jake have a proper reign. His first one was just, I don't want to say a flop, but it was kind of not that great. Like even after he won the belt, his first show, he got pinned or actually tapped out by Ashino. Oh, it wasn't good. <laughs> Smiley, how do you feel about it? Listen, it's very obvious there that Jake needs to retain because um, he never, his reign never got like underway, I guess, even if it was like six months, uh, you know, uh, there was a lot of things that didn't go his way and you know, there was a lot of build-up. And uh, with the Suwama thing, uh, I think honestly, that'd be the worst thing possible because his reign would be transitional. And obviously I know all the questions about Nagata, but I feel like if Suwama won, I have that bad feeling that Kento would just win the Royal Road and then have there would be another match between those two, which is mm. all to be done and doesn't need to be done again. Yeah. And like about Swam and Nagati, yeah, they're like stars of the past. You need to keep it that way. Like I love them both, but it's just their time is gone. Uh, it's just now time to move forward. And like obviously with Nagata as well, it's like having him doing the 50th year and no build up, nothing, just be like another spit in the face and obviously in the, like, like Jesse was saying it'd be like a maybe a sour taste in our mouths. Zavi has two questions. First one is would you rather the Sawama voodoo murder storyline and in Ashino beating him or Dan beating him and moving up? I think oh, has Dan to, has to. has to be Dan. Yeah. Ashino's kind of like you know oh, whatever Sawama I don't, I don't care about that anymore so it has to be Dan after all the punishment he's got it has to be him. To be fair, I was thinking that they were going to do um, Ashno versus Suwama Budokan, but obviously now that he's won the title titles, probably not going to happen. So it make more sense for Dan to win. And the second question is just for Smiley: Why is Ashino so short? Listen, I can't can't answer why, but I think um, you need to start respecting small people because sooner or later, you know, karma comes around <laughs> and you will, you will get bullied. I hope you get bullied. I hope it's recorded on the internet and posted. So I can laugh at I can laugh every time I see you post and remind you of the bad things that happens in your life when you bully small people. Perfect. 
I'm not on the part of bullying, but the tag match between Suji and Ayabe versus Ashima and Honda before they wrestle and they're just in the ring, just the size difference between them was just so funny. It's like I'm like I'm probably smaller <laughs> than Ashina and Honda, but it was just so funny the visual of just how tall and short they were. I just want to say, like, you know, hopefully karma comes around and, you know, Ashino gives uh, Zavian our ankle lock so he makes his, him the shortest person on there. Oh, yeah. He's limping, so he just loses a foot there. Stephen R. Jackson asks, do you feel the four Champions Night shows have celebrated the 50th legacy of All Japan just right? I mean, we didn't really have to bring back Voodoo Murders, but otherwise <laughs> I think the shows have done a, done a very good job. I th- I've actually enjoyed, I think, every single Champions Night uh, so far so there is that I think Champions Night have been great they're great shows to get more people in all Japan to get them booking bigger venues and the main events have all hit a home run even the 60 minute draw which I will defend till the end of my life I love that match but yeah I think they've been great I don't know if they were set up for the 50th year but if they were I think they've done a good job yeah I'm kind of like mixed like I'm trying to like think of like this this question is giving me pause, but I don't know why. I think that the Champions Night shows have been successful. I think they've gotten a lot of eyes on All Japan, which is great. But has it, have they celebrated the 50-year legacy of All Japan in just the right way? I'm not 100% sure. I probably need to sit with that for a little bit while longer. Maybe my pause speaks to the answer being not white but I think that they're a great celebration of why you should be watching all Japan today because that's just as vitally important um than any than anything else really I think that they are are, are a great celebration of why you should be watching all Japan today but in terms of the 50-year legacy of the promotion I'm not sure but in terms of how they've done the year I think about like the New Japan all Japan show and other stuff and I think they've done a fairly good job the Jumbo Suruta Memorial was also very, very good. So they have like these other components that I think make up more of the 50-year legacy celebration aspects of it. I wouldn't necessarily hinge all of that on the four Champions Night shows, though. That to me is more of a celebration of why you should be watching All Japan today. I don't know if that makes sense to everyone listening to me right now, but that's just, I don't know. It made perfect that's, sense to me. That's what's coming up for me as I'm thinking about that question. Uh, for me, it's like, Obviously, I don't think they were intended to like celebrate like the 50th legacy, uh, 50th year legacy itself. But it's like the sense like all the components are coming together. Like Champions Night One, like the, the way they did the Triple Crown is like similar to, well, it's exactly like the 1997 Champion Finals Finals with the uh, Misawa Kobashi and Kawada with the uh, Champions Night Two. Obviously, uh, the Jake and Kento draws. So I was like, I don't know, like the 80s matches. So. Uh, uh, Suruta and Choshu and um, Obashi and Kawada. And then obviously three, you have your num- number one guy, Kento, defeat, defending against a big giant. So, you know, uh, that's sort of like a callback to the 90s as well. So like, you know, Misawa wasn't the biggest guy and he's had like other big runners up against him. And then fourth one is a, like the culmination of like modern all Japan itself with the Kento and Jake, and Jake finally gained his win over Kento in the Triple Crown Championship match. Mick Duncan asks, what are your thoughts on the working deal with New Japan? Are there any other New Japan guys you'd like to see come over? And looking at recent events, it would probably have to be someone in the lower mid-card, Kojima, Nagata, Tiger Mask. 
I don't even know if I would call what they're doing right now. Like, like, do they have like a true working deal? I don't know. I, I don't know how to feel about it. I don't know that there's that many people from New Japan I would like to see come over. I mean, like the most obvious answer for me is going to be Kenta. I'd always like to see Kenta come over to all Japan, <laughs> but I'd also like to see um, Tai Chi come back. One of the like better moments to me of the year was at the end of the All Japan New Japan card when Tai Chi and like Kento were squaring off and Kento had the um, triple crown belt above his head. Like I liked that. I like Tai Chi, so like that was cool. I'd like to see Tai Chi come back over, but like it doesn't necessarily like excite me the prospects of seeing that many other people from New Japan come over to the promotion. I'm also like the type of person that like I like the shows where like they work together for one night and it's one night and I never have to think about it again because I really don't like <laughs> that much. Um, yes. I don't like that much interference yes. with my promotions. I'm like an isolationist. So I'm, I'm fine with, you know, that, that being a one night thing. But um, yeah, in terms of like the working deal, like so far, like what we've gotten out of it is Tiger Mask 4 coming over and taking the belt off Sato. So it's not necessarily going that well for us. <laughs> um <laughs> So, yeah, so I don't really know if I would call this a working deal. I don't think that it's necessarily like benefiting all Japan in the way that I would want a real working deal to benefit all Japan. And also, I don't really want to see that many people from New Japan come over unless it's two very specific people. And that's all. Sorry. (laughs) No, I totally agree. I think Tai Chi would be a good pick um, because of his like little feud he's had with Yuma over the years. If they could just have like a one last match to settle this. And this is just maybe petty of me, but get Tanahashi over so Jake can beat him up because he gave Jake false hope about being in New Japan. Like, I'm moving to New Japan. And then he's never booked for New Japan. That's the other thing that really was disappointing. And granted, like, this would have worked differently if Jake didn't become Triple Crown champion. But I really wanted Jake to go to the G1 because I think that that would have been like a really good thing to remove Jake from. Yes this environment go into new japan go fight a different crop of people for a while work your way through that tournament like that would have probably been really good for him in terms of working on some stuff with character and just again being around a different group of people like that would have been really good for jake to do but they like no one acknowledged this after tanahashi gave him that invitation and like granted like whatever that should happen between wrestlers all the time but like no one acknowledged that. And Jake campaigned hard for that on Twitter. So like what a bummer for that not to materialize for him or for no one to acknowledge that in the end. So yeah, like, I don't know, like weird, but it would be nice to see some sort of resolution to that situation. And looking at the G1 blocks, you got to tell me that like, there's some people you replace Jake with. Just looking at the wrestlers they have in there. There's like 10 people that don't need to be in G1 that Jake could have replaced any one of those guys. So yeah, I would have loved to see Jake go through the G1. I really would have. I was very disappointed. Um, They have so many people this year. Like why couldn't they have just made room for Jake? But I'm not in the backstage. I'm not uh, having those talks. So I do not know. Yeah, I was going to say, not particularly fun, but that's not really a relationship, but you know. Uh, partnership, whatever you want to call it. But I was going to bring one guy. I would bring back this, uh, say, Sonata back to home, back to home. That's a good, yeah. Back home, you know. And then, um, listen, yeah, if there's any, any one person that I'd like, happily let all my guys job to, you know, it's probably to be him. So give, <laughs> give, give him, let him, let him fight Jake for the triple crown, you know, uh, the winner. And we'll do like a, obviously because uh, Tajiri's a book, I will do some weird stipulation that 
the winner is the person who does the best move so 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 not <laughs> will be a world champion that would be really cool i mean like sonata and jake would actually be like we we almost got them for the new oh, that's true. um yeah. we lost brave will ruin the perfect tag for me <laughs> ruin it uh, ruin it <laughs> Oh my goodness, yeah. So yeah, that like Sonata would be like a pretty good pick too. So it's like Sonata, Taichi, Kenta. Those are the only three people allowed to come to New Japan yes. from for or rather to all Japan from New Japan, and that's it. Yeah, yeah, I can't think of anyone else. So. Kanamaru. That's it. <laughs> Kanamaru. <Yeah. laughs> Andre wants to know one non-all Japan talent that Jay can have a good chemistry with for a successful defense. And when do you think that match should take place? Well, now I'm stuck on Sonata since you guys mentioned it. <laughs> no, what yet? I would say uh, probably current Nakajima, just so I can just get that extra aggression. I, I was going but, to say Nakajima, but I like, didn't sound too typical of myself. Look, uh, I think like um, you like all Japan. Obviously, that everyone knows throwing their elbows. I think seeing like a slap fight between those two would be cool. Nakajima is a fantastic choice. And then, like, I didn't necessarily want to say this at first, too, because I didn't want to be like, oh, like, everyone wants to see him fight everyone. But, like, I would like Jake to fight Go Shiozaki. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of that is because, especially, like, Shio is so well-known for, like, the way his character went when he became JC heavyweight champion for the fourth time. But, like, Shio's character is not necessarily, like, that baby face. Um, there's actually, I've always felt that there's been a lot of similarities to... Um, Jake's character and Shio's character and so I would like to see them interact for those reasons alone I think that would also just be really good for Jake um, to be working against someone like Shio who is like the master of character work and nuance and I feel like Jake could really learn a lot from Shiozaki on that level if he was to work a program with him so that is why I would like to see that in terms of when I don't know I'm not really good at like placing matches but i just want to get jake through the suama match and then we could book whatever whenever it can happen whenever as long as we get him through the suama defense in july how's that yes deal i like your pick of shizaki just because he's my favorite from noah and anytime <laughs> he interacts with all japan i'll take it my easy choice was namora because he's changed his style he's more aggressive now and because they have history that they were tag team together That'll be great. But I also thought about Nakajima. And another layer of this is they both have apparel with dark side written on it. So, like, maybe whoever loses has to get rid of the dark side thing. No. <laughs> Anything but that. Because this is a successful defense. Like, he, yeah, Nakajima Jake, would lose. I need <laughs> Jake to win. But I also, like, I like, like Jake could probably stand to lose the dark side thing. Because, like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, That's we can't do. Yeah, no, no. Nakajima keeps the dark side. Yeah, I need Jake to win, but like Nakajima yeah. has to keep the dark side. <laughs> Very important. <laughs> and lastly, Dr. Jonathan asks: Out of everybody on the All Japan roster, contracted or regular freelancer, who would you like to fight? Does anyone have a pick straight away? <laughs> straight away? Oh man! No, actually, I'm gonna fight Kento Miyahara. I'm the best and I, I deserve the best. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if they can, if uh, the ring can handle the amount of ego the two of us can, uh, will present to each other, but I'm taking Kento. I'm going to say Hikaru Sato 
because he would body me but <laughs> I just love like his like his grappling his jiu-jitsu like his his mat work you'd learn something in getting your ass kicked uh, I'd love to have an amateur wrestling match with Ashino. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that'd be so Nicole. fun. That'd like, be fun. Like, or even, uh, obviously, Suwama, because he was a, I think he was a wrestling champion as well. So, like, yeah. I wish me something different. As long as I'm not getting, like, backdropped on my head and then it's all good. All right, Jesse. I don't know. My first thought was Kento, because I was like, okay, a shutdown suplex is probably one of the least, uh, what do you call it? Painful. Imp- yeah, least painful moves to take. But you already chose Kento. Just it's just so obvious. Fighter. I'll just say Yuma. He can put in Endgame. I just tap out. There Easy. you go. There you go. Or a headlock. Even like a headlock, I just like tap out. Tap out immediately. Perfect. <laughs> thank you once again for listening and supporting Talking Triple Crown. And thank you to Smiley for joining us. And you are welcome back at any time. You can find me on Twitter at Sister Jesse and Royal Road 72. You can find me, Alicia, at Sherinui Kai with two eyes on Twitter. You can find me and Rachel at Kickout299. And please make sure to subscribe to us on your preferred podcast platform. That would be really helpful to us as we grow and expand Kickout and Talking Triple Crown. And you can find me, Rachel, at Milky Star. That's M-I-I-K-Y star. You can find me on at Smiley underscore 1932. I'll be uploading all Japan shows and other stuff on archive.org. So if you want to, well, you can feel free to DM me for that link. Thank you once again for listening.